From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Hey, hey, thank you, Jane. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam. I'm Adam. You know me as the Dice Abide. And I'm John, also known as Wise Kensai. Uh, tonight, it's going to be us for the first little bit. Then we have, might have some other co-hosts join us later, depending on how uh, how things go. But uh, yeah, so for, for now... Me- Maybe Clinton, maybe Obi, or maybe just us. We'll see. It's we'll an adventure. See. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a choose-your-own-adventure, except that I control everything because I'm running OBS. And we don't really get to choose if they show up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Well, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have not really got much sleep the last couple of days. Kids kept me up, so I'm having some some instant coffee. The finest oh. of coffees. <laughs> the, at least it's instant. Yes. It's here right now. <laughs> no waiting. Oh man, well I'm having a uh so I'll preface this with when you have small children, glassware is dangerous. But what I've discovered is, you know, drinking the single serve sake gives me both sake and a glass that I don't care about that the kids can wreck. So I picked this sake entirely because of the screen print on the glass. Um, because otherwise all I know is what the label says, which is uh, special pure sake imported from Torrance, California. Excellent. So. And Clint, Clint is presumably drinking something too. I'm doing so good at this. Hang on one second. Well, he's. Wait, wait, Clint, is that you? I can hear you. It's true. I forgot to do the thing. I'm going to do it right Whoops. now. There we go. Hey, I did there it. He is. Great success. He's having vanilla Coke. Imagine that. <laughs> Weird. One of these days, he's going to surprise us with a Dr. Pepper. Right. It's going to blow all of our minds. I did that once, and you guys accused me of being a speculo at the time. I That's think. true. That's true. <laughs> Don't let I mean, it happen again. Not wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. Come on. Nerd. <laughs> I'm sorry, I watched your show. Is that something you want me to apologize for? Right. All right, John. Well, uh, why don't we kick it off with some news? All right. So uh, let's go to the news section. Uh, Yep, still going to be my uh, Radiation League mission. Um, Give that a shot. It's available on Broman Academy. I'll I'll extend it to this month, too. That's totally fine. Um, End of the month, though, is the hard cutoff for veteran troops painting contest. So we've got a bunch of submissions already. They look pretty rad. I'm excited to show them all to you. Uh, I I was convinced by Eric Worth to put up a rogues gallery of all the winners from previous contests. So um, I will put that up somewhere uh, in a reasonable spot um, for people to look at, but probably not till this contest is over and I'm actually like thinking about it and looking at things in front of me. So that's the thing that's going to happen. Uh, and then of course we're always, we're going to do our, uh, judges will tell us who wins number one, West painted. And then we're going to have the wheel of names tell us a random winner as well. So that's the thing that's also going to happen. Hooray. All of the winners, all of the winners. Uh, what else we got going on in the news? Uh, let's see. So from Corvus belly, I guess the, Oh, your eye is now on last chance. Mm-hmm. So if that's you don't, all about. if you don't have one, get one, or maybe we're getting a new one. Maybe. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, um, important when you buy them, you need to buy two, 
So you can run that both. It is, is true. You are the, ABA too. It, it is fun. Uh, but to yeah, answer so, Moose Man in the chat, uh, veteran troops meaning uh, veteran tag. So um, like Briscards do not have the veteran skill, but they have the veteran tag. Characters do not count. Mm -hmm. Ooh, no, characters don't count. Wow, harsh. You're being, yeah. you're being strict by it. I am um, being strict. So also, fun, exciting news that we got our preview copy of all of the Bakunin stuff and the new, um, what's it called, plastic? I don't know. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's, it's like a thermoplastic, Unicool. right? Unicool. Unicool. Like Unicool plastic resin, mm -hmm. which is different than CO-cast thermoplastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll go over that in some detail. I actually broke out my, uh, I had to go find my Nikon D200 charger. Oh really? To take the macro shots, <laughs> and then I had to go find my macro lens. I have, clearly I've used my SLRs in a long and very recently. So yeah, getting lots of use. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I had a chance to to fumble around with them, and I really like them. We'll talk about that more uh, in a minute, though, when we unbox all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, from DreamPod Nine, there was a surprise release for uh, Caprice of both the Maru and the Zikru. Um, which are both, I don't know if like urban mech is the right word, but they are the urban mounts for Caprice. They are bipedal instead of uh quadruped. Are you gonna bring those? There we go. So there's the Maru, and they're tiny, those guys are like an inch tall. Mm -hmm. Um, they're pretty cool. They have a lot of different options there. This is a new production method they're using, they've partnered with someone, I can't remember who. Um, oh, Tiefling Workshop to 3D print them. Oh, neat. So it's able to bring the cost down quite a bit. You know, there's six of them in there for 32. Mm -hmm. um, and also a lot more poses. So the Maru are there. And then also the, the Zikru are a bit bigger. Um, they've got like big rocket powered hammers and yes. auto cannons and grenade launchers. So if you wanted to relive your Pacific Rim, but in miniature. Rocket, yeah. rocket elbow, rocket hammer. Um, so it's kind of funny. These are based off of designs that already existed in some of the old source material. Mm -hmm. But in the source material, they were all like 10 feet tall in scale. Like they were all very small. Yeah. Um, so they kind of retcon them a little bit, change the size to make them more functional in the game. So some cool new releases there from uh, DreamBot 9. Indeed. I think that's that's about it for news. Yeah, it's kind of a light news week. Yeah. So you want to talk about the Bakunins? Let's do it. Let's see the toys. Show me All the right. toys, John. What do you want to see first? Whatever, whatever is the most accessible to you first. Well, they're all in a big pile. So here we go. Here is the Bakunin Observance Action Pack. And it will be, of course, glared out because hooray for webcams. We should probably yep. sort this once and for all. But anyway... So yeah, this is the normal action pack form factor that you have now. Um, it comes with, uh, well actually let's take a look at what it comes with first. So we have the Cenobite, there's two of them, there's an HRL version and a chain rifle as well as a, a Reverend Custodier hacker with combi rifle and pitcher. Uh, the new Orphans uh, line of profiles, the new Penitents yep. uh, as a Reverend Healer with boarding shotgun and then two Moiras, the Swick version. So there's the uh, the uh, MSR and the HMG version. And then there's a Sin Eater with MSR as well, which I think is the right one. So uh, first things first, 
um, you know, it's, there's nothing really to, to uh, be particularly surprised about. But, for example, here's the uh, HMG Moira, right? Uh, and she's doing like the over-the-shoulder pose sort of situation oh, yeah, yeah. here. Um, it's the same uh, Peter that we, we know and love, right? So it's going to be pretty rad model. Goes together just as you would expect. Complete with, with tactical gubbin, right? Yeah, there it's we not go. complete without tactical gubbin. Uh, new sword design. It's a gubbin. Yeah, new sword design. So for reference, this is the old sword design. Right, and then this actually is a bit of flash, which I'll just pick off right now, so you can actually get the, the profile of it. Yeah, it looks like they've changed away. They've moved away from the wobbly blades. Yeah, there. All right, so I pulled off, I pulled off the flash a little bit, so you can see it a little better. There we go. Yeah. Right, so this looks more like a standard, like triangle sword, and there's like a hook situation going on on the, on yeah. the original. Um, but you know, it's a new design. Uh, they've kept yeah. the current the current generation of uh, Nomad HMG, so that's pretty standard. Um, what else we got? Yeah, it is nice that the the swords are all thicker now, so they're not as bendy. Mm -hmm. So here's one of the new um, Cenobites with their <laughs> Iron Halo. <laughs> I really and, like the Cenobite design. So you've got the the Iron Halos there, <laughs> um, and then this is the chain rifle version. So you've got the standard. Standard chain rifle going on, and um, yep, same same sword design. This one's got a wider hilt, right? So it's a little, a little Very more cool. interesting, I suppose. Yeah, they're probably my favorite, um, favorite both design and unit. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we've got the Sin Eaters, right? Oh, sorry, no, so this is the, the other Sin Cenobite uh, with HRL and Mega Sword. So, yeah, these look like they're going to go together really fast. I mean, I got them yesterday, and I didn't have any time to do anything about it today. But like, even I can assemble these reasonably quickly. So yeah, they seem they seem to have you know good uh, good like fitting points. Yeah, I mean, this is this is modern CB stuff, right? Like, yeah, it all no, looks fantastic. I don't think you have any any problem with it at all. Um, this is the boarding shotgun healer, right? So the other the old one was sort of kneeling and pointing her gun. Uh, mm -hmm. This one is sort of like in a half crouch sort of situation. Um, but they have a new tabard design, which I don't know. Am I a huge yeah. fan of it? It's it's a tabard, right? But like yeah. that looks like it'll be, be go together just fine, right? Even just sort of, there's definitely a piece of flash in there that I need to remove, but it, it goes together yeah, that's just the, fine, no problem. The orphan engineer, yeah. No, this is this is the uh, this is the Reverend Healer. Oh, sorry, uh, with yeah. boarding shotgun, yeah. So that's you know a profile you'll you'll probably want to run. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's the custodier with pitcher. So this is using the new pitcher design that came out with the um, with the uh, moderators. So it's the standard. Oh boy, that's like impossible to see. How's that? Let me see if I can. Is this better? But actually, it might be better. Shockingly, that's better. So anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can see the two pictures up front, right? So this is a standard, standard uh, Nomad combi rifle with the pictures on the front, and uh, so that's came out with the moderators, I believe. So it's not the it's not the like huge grappling hook looking thing from previous uh, pictures. Um, okay, now here here's the here's the sin eater, 
So you got like mega sin eater situation, right? He's holding his gun and everything. So it's gonna look like this, right? And then okay, yeah, his leg. So pretty pretty straightforward CB stuff. I mean, honestly, uh, I'll I'll post some pictures and stuff once I've all assembled and all of that. What's of what's of note though? So we've got the Reverend Healer, I mean the Reverend Moira with his sniper rifle as well. Of note is that the um, the big lady, the penitent, is uh, is Seacast. Yeah. So everything you get in here is the normal metal, except for the Reverend, which is going to be Seacast. See if this will work. Is that better or worse? Oh, that seems to be okay. What if I do that? Yeah, it looks good. Okay. So I had like <laughs> tuned all of this, and then of course immediately once it happened. So that's the Red Fury profile, right? With Chonk Sword. It's like a Dark Eldar motif going on here, right? Yeah, it is kind of this. To, to me, the swords feel a little bit over. Like, of my only criticism I mean, really of this game so far is the swords feel over designed. They kind they're, of feel like Warcraft swords. Yeah, they're very Warcraft swords, which I'm. I mean, the, the ones on the Moras are fine. These are a little silly. You've got the little, like, actual person's arms. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the big arms, of course, are the robot arms. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not super worried about this sword breaking. Like, it will be fine. I just yeah, that is nice. And I get it. They're they're trying something new. They don't want to just give them like plain European swords, and they look like military orders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, a, it comes in two bags. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, so I'll try to bag it back up. And then I wanted to save the the newest and most interesting thing, which is this orphan profile, which everybody thought was a moderator. At least I did, right? Hmm. When we when we first got a look at it. Oh right, right, right. But let me just make sure I I don't screw myself later and like lose all the pieces. Yeah, there we go. There is the moderator. The, oh, sorry, the not the moderator. Orphan. The yeah. not the not moderator, the one that confused me and made me think it was a moderator. So this is the I believe it was the engineer we said with the gizmo kit. So yep. Looks like the uh it's gonna be a square square peg attachment point right there. Mm -hmm. no big deal a little bit of there we go that took a second and then uh, she's pointing her SMG and then she's got her gizmo kit situation going on there there we go so there she is yeah pretty standard she'll be one of the ones that you pin you know yep for sure yeah she's got the the spread the spread eagle pose going on which is ripe for breaking Arms everywhere. Yeah. Um, the good news is that the shoulders are pretty flat, right? So like right where the shoulder, I'm going to use her foot as a pointing tool. So like right where the shoulder joint meets right mm -hmm. here is flat. There doesn't appear okay. to be any um, any significant texture there. So that would actually be really easy to pin. You just drill straight in through the shoulder and you'd be good to Perfect. go. So that's pretty rad. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's... it's uh, it's the Bakunin pack. I think I. You, it's pretty obvious, probably, that I'm not like horrendously excited by this. Um, yeah, and I think like it, that that's the kind of the funny thing, like CB stuff. Yeah, it looks as amazing as the other previous stuff looked. 
Right. Well, let's 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 just go through the rest of it real quick. One thing yeah, that yeah. is very cool is uh, the new the new um, uh, what is it? Mother Agatha, right? She's rad. She's pretty cool. I'm a big fan. She's of She's ready to do a murder. <laughs> yeah, she is. So that's gonna be a fun a fun profile. Um, but this is all again all metal. You can sort of see her her torso situation here, very chonky. Um, and then this is one of those like the cape is flowing, so uh, you can just mate her front half with her. Actually, I think this is this is probably Constantinos. Um, yeah, that looks like Constantinos. So this, yeah, here's here's Agatha. Okay, perfect. Let me just dump that out. Let me take a look. Um, yeah, so the legs just sort of mate with the with the bottom part of, or the start of the cloak, right where the abdomen is, and then you've got. Um, this, this looks like it's going to be pretty straightforward too. Sure. Three pieces, four pieces. Uh, it looks like four so far. So her. Oh wow, this is interesting. Okay, so then the. Yeah, so her head and the, her right arm are one piece, and it is part of her back and hair. And then the the hammer arm mates with this whole assembly like this. So it's kind of kind of interesting. But the profile is, I think, very polarizing. Um, <laughs> but I think it'll is see... Is it polarizing, or do people just not tend to like it? I think it's polarizing, because okay. there, there's... Because it is Doctor plus three. Right, and for if the nuns stay single wound, that's a big deal, because a lot of them have shock immune, right? Um, but it's mm -hmm. honestly way too early to really be able to tell. Uh, what's sure. really exciting sure. is Robin Hook. So here's here's Robin Hook, the the main part of the model, um, and there's a little like, there's even a little crossbow sort of situation going on, which is very cool. So yeah, there's a little crossbow thing. Um, looks kind of like. Uh, uh, a stereotypical hand crossbow you see in D and D art, but very neat. I'm I'm excited to play her. I think she's gonna have some interesting utility, and that and it really depends on what that booty roll comes up as. But the thing that I'm I'm uh, most excited about is definitely the Kusanagi model. So, that one's gonna be super cool, because um, you know like. There's, there's just something about cool. that pose, right? So they did that for um, uh, Shinobu. Turned out really good. And this one is is also rad. This one is not cast. It is full metal. So if you are concerned about that, you don't have to be. Um, and yeah, so this is the uh, probably the uh, EMLGL variant because it has mm -hmm. an underslung grenade launcher on her combi. Um, and, you know, this is... 100% going to be the easiest Kusanagi you ever put together. Uh, it's got the same Warcraft <laughs> profile uh, sword with all the like the crazy stuff on the hilt, right? So, yeah, she's not a she's never cloak balancing from a ball joint off of a little oh tactical weapon. I have that thing. It is monstrous. Let me see if I can grab it. Yeah, here it is. So this is the other version of her, which is just like. What are you doing? So underneath, it's literally just this. Yeah, it's this little nubbin here, and there's little, there's just a little ball joint underneath her cloak, and the cloak itself is like four pieces, and so this is the original Kusanagi. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the Spitfire Kusanagi was fine to assemble. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, yeah, that one was a monster. Yeah, this was awful. Yeah, and then of course she like fell off her little nubbin. So when I reglued her on, she kind of tilted a little bit. Now she looks really derpy, but that's okay. I have a replacement. <laughs> I don't have to paint this one now, <laughs> which is good because I don't want to. Right. But yeah, that exclusive one has the, uh, is it a multi with EMLGO? Yeah. Oh, probably. Let me take a look at I that. Think it, I think it's oh, a it multi. Oh, it is a multi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's like John's dream gun. <laughs> it is. It is my dream gun. That's true. So I will, I and then it comes on a BS14 ODD profile. So you can, you can bet that I will be using it all the time, even in Vanilla Nomads. So I'm excited to put this model together and, and start abusing it as soon as the profile comes out. But the thing that we all came here to see is the new thermoplastics or the new not thermoplastic. Resin. Sorry, Unicool the new unit. plastic resin. Yeah. The new plastic resin. So here is the ITS, um, Marut. And so I have a CO cast sword here for comparison. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's comparable. The CO cast sword bends in like, all the directions, even up and down along the axis that you'd think it wouldn't bend. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, the this one seems a little stiffer. Maybe that's just the geometry of this particular sword. But I, I have no... I mean, it's it's fine. Right? Like, I would expect it to be fine in your box unless, like, something smashes it and it has to go through buckling. Right? Right. Yeah, like I so I got to play with this a little bit before I handed it off to you, and yeah, it's weird because the the material feels like it feels stiffer than normal resin, but also doesn't break as quickly. It feels comparable to the Sia cast. I mean, like I I have not worked with it too much. I did cut off uh, an injection port with a pair of clippers just to see what would happen, and it does cut cleaner than Sia cast does. Because yeah. has a tendency to like pull out and leave a socket, right? Yeah. Uh, and this had much, I took some high res photos of that. We can look at them in a minute. Um, but yeah. then, right. So, I mean, if, if you, if you've worked with CEOCast, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by this material. Uh, you were saying that it files. Okay. It cuts. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's not metal. So if you're like a diehard metal purist, then you're just going to be disappointed no matter what. Um, but I I honestly am fine getting models in any of these three flavors now. My one yeah. real complaint is uh, the weight. I do really enjoy the weight and the actual coolness of the of the of the like sure. temperature coolness of the model. The hand feel. Yeah, I mean it is important, right? It is a tactile war game we're playing, so you know it's nice. But yeah, it's fine. And honestly. I'm, I would, I would, uh, if I was going to be running CB and I just doing this from the get go, I think, um, the split between S2 and like S6 and up definitely would mm -hmm. be like metal to some form of resin or plastic because the larger models are just easier to break if they're heavier. Sure. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. I was really surprised by this material. Um, yeah. Cause it, it does something, it, it feels, it feels yeah. tougher. I feel like like just look but at this, right? Flexible. So this is a very, very short thing, right? So here's 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 a S2 model for a comparison, mm -hmm. right? But like I'm bending it and it's fine. I feel like other plastics would break already doing this. No, Obi, I haven't tried microwaving it. 
And also, like, like somebody else is like, I'm going to you know, immediately start testing these with different solvents to see what you can use to strip them with. And it's like, I'm glad somebody else is doing that and not me. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, um, apparently you can use acetone, I think they said, to, uh, to clean COCast. Yeah. Which um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person to test that. Yep. They did send us the new AR, uh, which is awesome looking. And I took a bunch of photos of it. So let's go look at that right yeah, now. Yeah, holy cow. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these macro photos you took. Okay, because... here we go. So now now we can stop like looking at my potato webcam situation. We need to we need to fix that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, okay, let's see. Where, is, where did I put those? Right here? Yeah, here they are. Boom. All right, so here I, is I a high-res photo. So you can stop looking at potato land. Yep. Um, so this is all the components that came with it. Ignore the thing at the bottom right. That's like just a piece that Adam cut off. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can see some of the injection ports that are still there, which we didn't remove because Adam wanted to give me a chance to you know mess with it and see what I thought. I see he, they shipped it to him. See they being CB in this case. Um, yeah, so I think I wanted to talk about this specifically, right? So this tactical gubbin on the AR's foot here. Uh, and this is a lady AR, I believe. Uh, so yeah. it is it is a little smaller than the male ER I compare it to. So if you notice that that's that's intended, it's it's a smaller person in the suit. So um, that's yeah. Um, but there's like a second uh, plane that's been sort of um, cut into this piece. And yeah. So it has like a like a point one point two millimeter raised edge. Yeah. Around it. And then inside of that, there is the finest of lines etched in there, and it's all crisp and clear. It's not even a line. It's like an actual triangle or like, you know, it's not really oh, yeah. a triangle, but it's like etched in there further. The right? So there's there's three three tiers. There's the innermost one, yeah. and then like the ring, and then the outermost one that you would touch when you like dry brush it. So you can get this kind of detail with metal, I think, especially CV's metal. But as we'll see as we go through these pictures, I think this is just ever so slightly more crisp. Um, so here's another yeah. shot of it, right, in, in more context. But I mean, I don't think the argument can be made that the like the detail is worse, right? Yeah, we it can, is. Uh, we can argue about whether you like metal detail or this detail more, but mm -hmm. it's certainly not worse, right? I think we're now firmly in subjective opinion. I like absolutely there, there's there's definitely room for like more scientific testing if you really wanted to you can look at like hardness and but I mean honestly it's fine um what will really do it is like how how it, how you work with it uh this AR I do not believe is appearing as no, a blister this because this the... is a limited edition ITS pack yeah it's from that limited ITS 14 pack yep available from Shiv Games <laughs> available from Shiv Games it's true um, so I wanted to call attention to, I don't know what you want to call this, like a strap or a cable coming down the AR's cloak, right? Yeah. Um, so that is, that is on a, um, on a, uh, a metal AR as well. So I think that's the next picture. Oops. Sorry. It's not, there it is. Okay. So you can, here's, here's two ARs next to each other. I added a little bit of red, uh, lighting into the picture to sort of give you some, cause the problem with, um, with taking pictures like this and doing a fair comparison is that the albedo of the surface is different, right? So like one is shinier than the other. So you need a little bit more contrast on the metal. So I add a little bit of red splash to like get some definition to the geometry. 
Um, but look you, at the cable you, specifically, right? So if you look at what would be running down the the metal Ayara's spine, right, that is sort of coming out like right at the handle of the plastic Ayara's Panzerfaust. And I yeah. think th the detail is finer on the plastic. And then the other right. cable to the left of that, right, so like the Ayara looks like they have three cables, right, with like a big yeah. fat plug thing on the end. Um, the one on the metal cloak on the left, the transition between the cloak and the cable is not as tight. It's more of a 90 degree angle. And I think the plastic is able to achieve a, um, a more like an acute angle there. Right. Yeah. You, you could can see, see that. The... You could see that at the hole at the top of the middle, uh, cable, mm -hmm. like yeah. in the metal, it's, it's definitely like a shallow it's... thing, yeah. but in the plastic, it cuts back. Yeah. In the center of the back, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like at the at the, I mean, the uh, if you look at that as like a like a pelvis shape, right? The lowest part of the pelvis, right? Yeah. So I I think, I I mean I think it's it's got better definition. Honestly, it's so subtle yeah. though that you really have to be blowing it up on like a on under macro to really notice. Um, so one of the other things that really got me was the look at the texture of the cloaks sure yeah next to each other or actually even just the texture of the metal because the armor plating on the back still has a very fine amount of texture to it mm. which i think is probably it's like talk in the uh in the mold possibly yeah um and it is perfectly smooth on the uh on the plastic uh resin one it's actually kind of funny because it's it to me the plastic resin one is almost too perfect. Mm. It starts it starts to remind me of like why I don't like why I generally don't like digital sculpts as much as the hand sculpts because I lose a little bit of the pro a little bit of the the manual process of creating the you know creating the object. Yeah. Where this it's like even more of a perfectly crisp rendered edge. Sure. Yeah, I mean, look at the cabling there on the thigh. Mm -hmm. I have a better shot of that. This is, I, but I, this one was pretty reasonable. Uh, sorry for the random MDF. I was trying to prop them up so they were in the same focal plane. And what I was sure. specifically trying to get uh, a shot of was the knee pad, because the knee pad actually is like a an like an embossed sort of logo, like triangle on top, and then there's the actual mm -hmm. knee pad behind it, or I don't, I, however you want to do it. There's two layers, right? And I think yeah. the plastic one is a little crisper, um, and it handles like curved like sharp edges a little better like in the yeah. the plating like part of the top part of the greave of the boot there um okay so moving on here's a comparison of the guns right i mean mm -hmm. there's a bunch of hard angles here i think the infinity guns have always been very crisp um i don't really see any negative points to the either one really uh one thing i did yeah, want to call the... yeah go ahead one of the other things that it's kind of hard to tell in the photos, but I feel like the edges, the edges of the plastic are a little bit crisper. Sure. Which is like, it's a hard thing. You can really only barely even feel it sometimes, mm -hmm. but like it, it feels like the, the thermoplastic weapons come to like a serious hard 90 degree edge. Mm. Um, where the, the weapon, the, the pewter casts are just, just the tiniest bit softened. Not that they're not crisp, but the edge feels less perfect. Yeah. One thing that really blew me away was the trigger 
not on the rifle, but on the uh, underslung weapon, which I think is an emitter for this profile. Yeah, I think so. Um, but it's like it looks like it's like a either either it's the um because because it's very it would be very hard to print like the actual trigger right you know what I sure. mean because it's just this little like comma shaped thing and then usually you have to mate it with the body behind it otherwise you're never going to get anything out of it so it yeah. looks like that actually is captured really well here right so it looks more like a like a normal trigger as opposed to say like a I don't know P90s trigger which is this one like fat thing of thing going back right. so so it's um yeah i mean the fact that you can tell here is pretty impressive because otherwise it would just be like a trigger shaped like wedge that mates to the the grip yeah right? like a block yeah it would be a whole it would a whole block but the fact that you can tell there's a some a slight transition there is indicative mm -hmm. of the, the the resolution that they're able to get yeah um, and i looked it up it's a zapper <laughs> ah okay well regardless same 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 deal right um yeah i mean i'm i'm impressed for sure but yeah so here's here's a picture this took some doing uh to line sure. this up but uh yeah i mean i i think the uh the cabling is crisper here as well um on the thigh but it's hard to tell i think you would want to see this primed and then zenith highlighted yeah, to really be fair, right? Yeah, at this point, it's so it's so high detail. The detail is so small and so crisp. But I feel like, unless you're doing like an airbrush primer and then using airbrush inks, you know, inks for your zenith, yeah, to get like the thinnest coats possible, yeah, you might not even notice. But it is impressive nonetheless. Yeah, but and and speaking as somebody who is doing that, not that I can paint to a high standard, but I, I am using those tools. Um, I appreciate it. Sorry, I think you were about to say something, Clint. Yeah, the kneecaps. I think a little more clear here too. Yeah. The difference. Yeah. So here's here's actually that right. So here is I had to do. I I don't have focus stacking software, um, but uh, so you can see here the corners of the diamond shape are a little more rounded on the the metal, and then here's the focus mm -hmm. shift and. Uh, I'm trying to hold, I, I was holding the models in place with my left hand and trying to take a picture with my right <laughs> hand. So apologies for the perspective shift, but you can see, you can see that the, the corner um, on the bottom, facing the bottom part of the image is very yeah. crisp on the plastic and it's definitely rounded on the middle. So I, I think they are getting high resolution, whatever casting process they're using is better than whatever they're doing with metal. Um, really yep. the, the, the differentiating factor is I mean like like we just said right once depending on what primer you use like if you're gonna rust oleum this you're gonna lose it anyway it doesn't matter right sure totally but um, Clinton feels attacked <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you don't know me <laughs> yeah like but so I give like, if, if but that but that's that's important to know right like here here are these nerds on the internet talking about these different materials and if you're the kind of person who's like I don't freaking care just give me the model. And like I want to paint it and and play, right? Like it doesn't matter what you have, right? It's just like, yeah. will this paint and is it fun? Then the answer is yes, and it's fine. Um, I mean, the main thing is we're not losing anything. Yeah, in yeah. This switch is yeah. what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So that's fair. So cheese is good is asking how much of that is the new plastic, how much of it is mold wear. Um, that's fair. I mean, one thing that I did notice is that just like taking, I took a bunch of photos, most of which I deleted because you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this at like F14, right? And trying mm -hmm. to handhold it. So there's a lot of shaky cam going on. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's, there's definitely a lot more mold lines on the metal. Maybe that's mold wear. Maybe that's better process and tighter process control. I don't know. But uh, if this is if this is going to be what their what is it Unicool plastic looks like? Unicool. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy. How cool? Unicool. Yeah. So so there's that. Um, here it is versus Sea Cast, right? So that's uh, the yeah. limited edition Sargosh. Pretty comparable. Um, there's not as much detail on the Sargosh really to show off, right? Those those cables on his arms are a lot larger. And easier to render, um, but mm -hmm. you know, once these are painted, you won't know. I think the Unicool will take, might take less cleanup. Probably that too. Sea Cast does take a little bit more cleanup, and it's less fun to clean up. Yeah, I would not be sad if everything moved to Unicool. Yeah. yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, I had no qualms scraping mold, you know, scraping it and filing it. Yep. Um, but yeah. Very cool. There's the new materials. The new materials are new, but actually, you know, it's, it's, I, I like it. I mean, like everyone's going to have to, you know, these are models that we got for free given us, given to us from CBS samples. Right. Mm -hmm. But like what, what I saw, I was pretty impressed by. Um, and I didn't have many issues with, with COCast. I feel like after, you know, having done this for 20 years, I feel like COCast is still nicer to clean up than, mid 2000s gw metals like no problem <laughs> um i mean we're absolutely nitpicking here right like our yeah. our initial well at least my initial um sort of not being super enthused about bakunin should not be read as i think they're bad um i mean this is very much the uh cb you know, what was it? The, the MayaCast 3 scale, right? It's like, this is the expected level of quality. It is very yep. good. No complaints whatsoever. And now, and for some people who are into the aesthetic, then this is really cool for you and, and, and you should enjoy it. But for me, I am not super enthused about the new Bakunin art direction. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, but that's my opinion, right? Like, it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, no, I think... I mean, like you said, everything looks solid. Yeah. So, yeah. My biggest problem with the new uh, uh, reverends is that the healers, I I don't know if I'd be able to pick out a healer versus a, a Moira. They looked identical. Yeah, it's a little bit of the USR Yana problem where everything is just a dude in a helmet. What are you, but the what old, are you the old healers had like little dingles on their hoods. Yes, I'm sure. Yes, they did have old dingles on their hoods. It's true. I'm just, yeah, I, you know, I'm just, if I was still doing uh, Bakunin, I'd definitely give some of them like the big Dutch nun hats. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, Frank, if you, if you want bunny nuns, uh, you can 3D print them. I'm sure you have the power. You have the technology. 
It can be done. Um, well, very. <laughs> yeah, very just cool. be careful yeah. picking up a gator after playing with metal tags. You can bonk yourself on the nose. It's like that uh, <laughs> that episode of The Office where Jim puts all the nickels in Dwight's phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, very cool. I think uh, that wraps it up for the news, which means it's time to talk about our toys. It's hobby it. time. So I think Obi is trying to get into our call, so we can have someone else go first. That's you. Me. All right. Um, so I've been uh, slowly building my poor Arthur core for a new cool. So here I added the uh, the MHT 72 and the LHT 71. Um, they're rad tanks. They feel really good, like zooming around on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like they definitely fill the fill the hand nicely. Uh, and then on bottom, I got the Raider turret yep, for both the the, pulse lasers. Yep, with the pulse lasers for both the medium hover tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the the way that the pulse laser attaches to the uh for the turret for the 72 i didn't particularly care for mm. it kind of like sticks way out in the front mm-hmm. so i cut i cut the back of it way shorter and mounted it closer to the body so it feels a little bit more integrated mm-hmm. and it just covered my uh covered my my sins with a metal plate that i had left over from building a drake gotcha i see you built the uh the stock profile for the uh 71 yeah, you know, like a uh, heavy particle accelerator. It's basically like what so am it's I? It's a medium not... particle accelerator, not a heavy. Oh, that's right. Um, we're on the seventy-one. Nope, sorry, that's the uh, that's the anti-air. That's the laser cannon. Ah, okay. 71. Got yeah. it. Um, because medium lasers are gross, especially on something that can move ten. Was it ten inches? Mm-hmm. Get itself in a good position and focus that thing down, or fire it with a uh, light anti-tank missile, which is probably the correct move. Yeah, yeah. I do I do like the airburst missiles though. They are very good. They're awesome. Uh but I think you lose that on the anti air. I think it just You do, that's anti- just on the stock profile. Yeah. Um and then I got the primer down on my uh on my Bjornings. Oh, okay. What is yeah, this, so this what is this for? For those of uh, us this is for uh, for Middle Earth strategy battle game got it got uh, it i have been r- wrangled slash uh slash you know, did something i wanted to do anyways um and uh put together a small bjorning army which is one of the hobbit armies um but the big thing i did here is i did a zenith primer using a brown kind of a medium dark brown base coat with a bone highlight and i'm gonna try using that as an undercoat for the new uh vallejo uh, mm. Express paints, so it gives them kind of a natural sepia tone to work from instead of a black to white. Got it. So it'll have a more, it'll have a more oil painting kind of look. Is my theory? I need to, I need to try it now. I really like the new Express paints. Fair so enough. I've just been experimenting with uh, different things I can get away with messing with them. I haven't had a moment to do that yet, but Obi. What have you been up to? Ah, so hey, I've been Chloe. Yay. You got here. Uh, <laughs> so you this is been uh this is my uh uh cheer killer that I've been working on. Uh I love that you're doing a male cheer killer. Yeah, you know, I figured that, you know, he's uh 
He's got you gotta have somebody that helps throw the do the flips. You gotta yep. have a base, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have a varsity uh, letter on there though. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to figure that out what that means. If you can give uh, him Will Farrell's hair, it's pretty close already. It will it'll be a ten out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's like the the name of the streams when I do it on Twitch is the you know number one make the Jaguar squad or whatever the yeah <laughs> awesome uh, but yeah so it's just converting the uh, the Morlock uh, Colossus into a cheer killer uh, pretty close to finished with this actually uh, yeah. I just need to do some gloves uh, need to do the collar for the little vest and then uh, the shoes the shoes will probably take most time i think out of all of that fair enough that's so fantastic i'm so happy you're doing this <laughs> uh, and then the other thing i've been working on um is uh, i have a raicho so just every time that i have extra green stuff i'm kind of just building it up uh <laughs> to make it a little bit bulkier i also changed the arm um so that it's doesn't have the pelt so i had to kind of re-sculpt all of that um to give it the pelt that was kind of more in the that's base basically draped off of that that big ammo rack um similar to it is how it is in the uh, uh concept art or the dossier art uh that yeah. uh i've been looking at a lot of uh you know the robert zamora i believe is his name or roberto zamora uh his artwork for looking at uh that and trying to build it I don't know. It looked a little too, it's got like a kind of a weird gate to it or like mm -hmm. it's hips kind of don't seem like right. So I'm just trying to make it look uh, like it fits those legs a little bit better. Sure. I mean, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> like, Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Removing, removing that pelt entirely. Cause so I, I had two righteous. I did one stock and then I won't made one of them aiming the gun. So I had to remove the pelt from the lower part of the arm. Um, but removing it from the arm entirely is uh, bold. It's a lot. It's just a lot of filing, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, and then I've just been bulking up the armor on the like the chest and everything. Like I'm just following the armor that's already there. I'm just basically putting an extra layer of green stuff over that to bulk it up and make it look a little bit uh, more solid, mm -hmm. a little less waspy waste. waste. Yeah, very cool. Thick. Yeah, there's <laughs> been a request to show your Beast Hunter, so I found an old picture on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I could... Yeah, holy cow. Sounded right. like an old-time gangster there, Obi. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Beast Hunter. Yeah. I'll kill you, see? Yeah, it's uh, fish mail. Fish mail, yep. Fish mail. It's pretty great. Oh man, looking very cool. <laughs> How about you, you, John? Uh, I have been busy <laughs> with work, effectively. So I haven't oh, had much time to hobby. Um, yeah, I did. I did a the bare minimum of hobby, which was to glue my bulleteer's arm back on and fix some like random Eugene model that snapped something. So yeah, that was my hobby pre pre tournament. Which I guess leads us into our, our next section. Right, which is our, our games. I'm a gaming girl. So uh, everybody here but Adam played a tournament this last weekend. Boo. Boo. But, so we'll talk about that later. But Adam, what did you do in the interim? 
Um, I taught the uh, the local store owner uh, how to play Moonstone. So, yep, on, over on Thursday at uh, Glimpses, Amy and Ty came over and taught them how to play Moonstone. It's still a very fun, easy to learn game. Yeah, get off the stream, Adam. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Don't have to tell me twice. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was most of my gaming. And then you know, I played a couple more games. Ruben is actually now starting to pick up playing Dragomino, mm. which is really fun. Um, what is Dragomino? It is uh, a kid version of King Domino. Oh, okay. So you're kind of like matching tiles against each other to make areas of the map. Mm. You know, like put the desert next to the desert, the woods next to the woods kind of thing. Um, and in that one, every time you put two pieces together that match you, you had to drag an egg and see if you get the dragon or not. Got it. It's a little game, but um, at four years old, he's picking it up really quick. So we can start moving him into other board games. Well, that's pretty rad. They'll both, be, they'll both be Infinity Ringers soon. Yeah, Next. yeah. We'll just be going in and like, you know, when at the larger tournaments and like slowly moving like the other guys' models around when you know they're like being cute and like distracting, help Adam out. Um, yeah, all right. So, I, uh, I think we'll talk about all your games when we get to the main section. Indeed, excellent. Which means it's time to talk about media, the thing that we haven't made a stinger for, and I for some reason still haven't recorded one. Boo, media, I don't know. There we go. Uh, so I sat down and read Dice Man over the weekend, um, which is by, as it says, they own uh, Ian Livingston, who is one of the co-founders of Games Workshop, along with Steve Jackson. Not that Steve Jackson. Um, so there are two like Steve Jacksons that got famous for board games at the same time. One of them co-founded Games Workshop, and the other one does Steve Jackson games for the United States. Different people, but it was a it was an interesting read. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a roller coaster ride, um, but it was more just them constantly falling into success. <laughs> okay. Well, and maybe that's not even right too, because it definitely took it took some planning and calculated risk. Right. But like basically, they they got started because they made this like this little like stapled together zine that they would distribute at the. Um, at the game store, right? Um, a little newsletter, right? Back sure. when newsletters were physical letters. And they heard about this weird game, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they wrote about it in their newsletter, and Gary Gygax sent them a copy because Gary Gygax found, you know, somebody handed them the newsletter in the United States. Uh, and then he was, uh, they, they started, they decided they would import this game. And like, off the back of an order of six whole copies, they got a three-year exclusive for all of Europe to import D&D. Wow. And so when you when you do that, and then D&D goes hugely popular, yeah. they were like, wee! <laughs> Ride the D&D um, money train. Yeah, and then it was really interesting, like, Basically, Warhammer got invented off of them um, failing to secure exclusivity. Ah, okay. And so they needed, they didn't want to be reliant entirely on, you know, somebody else who could use any other distributor. But 
nobody did because Games Workshop was by you know leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else for importing it. Um, but so they invented Warhammer to be a thing that that they could own the rights to. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a good read. It was quick. I read it in a day. Recommend it. It's always fun to see how you know, how how nerds could turn something you know turn their hobby into something that uh, got huge. That's awesome. Fun must be fun to read that story. Um, Will you borrow it? I'm just yeah. gonna uh, jump in with a Millhouse quote. You know that uh, I'm not a nerd because nerds are smart. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well. well I think now. Oh, hang we on. Get I, I, I did oh. want to. I didn't put it in the show notes, but I did. I did finish American Kleptocracy. Uh, it is depressing, but kind of ended on a hopeful note. I was so, going to say, does it end well? So there's that. Um, yeah, basically, it just takes you through the history of uh, how you know warlords and uh, kleptocrats and oligarchs and stuff are using the U.S. to hide all their dollars. Uh, some of which is fixed now not really but uh, a lot of stuff like the a lot of interesting stuff that i didn't know and i'm like oh that makes sense in in, in hindsight now that i know that um it's not a pleasant read but i found it interesting uh now i'm working on the british side of the story which is butler to the world and basically the premise here is um after the you know britain was very good at colonization uh made a huge pile of money and then used the entire pile of money to blow up Germany twice, right? Uh, and so they ran out of money, uh, and but they still needed, like, a job. So it uh, turns out they're very good at colonizing things. Uh, so they sort of used that kind of know-how to cater to oligarchs and stuff. That's like the... And, of course, this isn't, like, you know, denigrating all of Britain. It's just, like, the, the power <laughs> structures that existed are you know, easily rejiggered to to serve more nefarious things. But anyway. We'll see if that one has a happy ending. I mean, or just different nefarious things. Yeah, it is it is <laughs> it is very it is very British. Uh there's like a whole section of one of the first chapters which is explaining like if you didn't go to public school, which is for those of you who don't know, private school here in the United States, they like they flipped them. Uh uh, but uh, if you didn't go to like fancy rich kid school, you would be called by your last name. But if you did go to fancy rich kid school, they would call you by your first name. Um, so it was like a whole explanation of that and very British. Weird. So anyway, it's a interesting read <laughs> trying to go to sleep. Yeah, right. Oh, you have sweet dreams. All right. So before we get on to our main topic for the evening, um, it is time to announce our new sponsor, Shift Games. Was there a button for that? Um, so yeah, Shift Games, the uh, the best smelling store in all of Kaiser, Oregon. Um, it is owned and operated by the lovely Jeff, uh, who is Corzalfane here in the chat right now. Um, so yeah, go ahead and shop at them in person, online. They have an online eBay store. I think they're probably the, one of the number one sellers of Infinity on eBay. Um, they got they got all the good all the good small men to play with. That sounded wrong. Um, all the good majors. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna try giving away. It's gonna be fifteen dollars off of your next order of a hundred more hundred dollars or more 
which since everything else is already discounted, that's basically 15% discount um, on, on stuff that's already cheaper. So, yay, buy their stuff. Cool, Shiv Games. All right, um, we need a magic word, Obi. <laughs> tournaments. I don't know. Tournament. Go. All right, tournaments. go ahead and type tournament into the chat for your chance to win. Tournaments, That's plural. Tournaments. Yeah, the problem was, is I was like, oh, I need to get ready to type in. And then you're like, oh, I was like, oh, I'm the one that has to come up with the word. This is not good. I was unprepared. I was trying to figure out how to spell the uh, stunned silence you had at first. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Clint, just put in a bunch of, you know, periods. periods. It's going to be a bunch of periods, and it's, it's entirely up to me. As to what the... <laughs> well, I tried some braces and Twitch yelled at me. <laughs> it was like, stop cursing in our chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Jeff has uh, recently moved here from Utah, which is fantastic. Huge game store. Um, and Kaiser's kind of in Did his he moved spot. To Utah. What? It's fantastic. That he moved is fantastic, or that he moved is fantastic oh, because okay. Utah is not fantastic, which is I think why he moved. Um, but yeah, so Kaiser is in kind of a sweet spot um, between Portland and Eugene Corvallis area, mm-hmm. so it gets players from kind of most of the northern part of the state, at least for the tournaments, um, and the, quite a few people are showing up for their game nights, so. All right, John, hit the button. Do the thing. I'm doing it. Pew, pew, pew. Hey, Frank, won the thing. Go, Frank. Congratulations, Frank. Um, and yeah, of course, the hey, thank Frank. you, Jeff, and thank you, Shiv Games. Yeah, All sure right, is. now I can push this button. Without further delay, it's time for the main event. All right, John, we're talking about the competitive mind. Okay, so the this mind is... That competes. This is intended to be a pretty open-ended, free-form conversation. Not like, because I, I think the whole point of this is that it, it means different things to different people. Um, you know, like, what what does it mean? What does it mean to you, right? So I'll I'll go first, and I think we just go around around the hosts, and feel free to chime in and chat as well about like what does competitiveness mean to you? Uh, and for me, it basically means uh, playing the best game that I know that I can. Um, and making the most efficient decisions towards victory that that are possible, right? In in the uh, in that particular game, right? Uh, and sort of as a meta comment, which is what I wanted to sort of extend this discussion to, not just out in the tournament but outside the tournament. Like, how do you improve um, as a as a as a player, uh, uh, tournament to tournament, game to game, right? Like, what what are we doing? outside of the outside of you know shiv games on a saturday in april or something um to to get better or get good scrub as it were so i think so yeah for me it's it's a bit about um it's actually a bit about like approaching the table with a common set of expectations um one of the things that used to drive me insane in the 40k competitive scene yeah is like the the race to the bottom over arguing about whose list was more better than the other person's list. I only won because your list was cheesy. Like my list wasn't cheesy. Your list was cheesy. And um, being able to just be like, look, we're going to show up to the table. We're both going to have a good time playing the best game that we can. Right. And 
a part of that for me is also like making sure that the opponent is actually paying, playing the best game that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't mean that I'll, I'll offer strategic advice. Right. But it means that like, I won't hold information back that they should be privy to like missed, you know, for example, like missed, uh, ARS. Right? Sure. Sure. Like, Things like that. Like for me, the, the spirit is is the competition. I want us to both be playing the best we can, so that we have a good time. You know, nobody feels slighted or cheated after the game, being like, "Oh, you didn't tell me there was an ARO there." It's I like, mean, yeah, well, you you have beat yourself in tournaments before. That is true, but it was a really good hail mary, and it worked. Um, but that was also after they were like about to walk. You know, like give up on the game. I was like, no, man, let's figure out how to do this. Yeah, yeah. What do you have? Um, but it it really is that um to me that feeling that we that we both feel good about what we did at the game table. Sure. What about you, Clint? What about me? What do I think what do I think good com- competitive is? Yeah, like what does that mean to you? Like when I say when when if I were I, I would characterize you as a competitive infinity gamer, but what does that mean to you when I say that? So yeah, the the end goal is getting better is kind of how I view that statement. Like I I have fun knowing that I'm getting better at something. Mm. Um whereas like I've seen other people who bring stuff that is not great on the table but they have fun because it's their big stompy robots and they have the big stompy robot list and they run it out in front of stuff and they they win sometimes they lose sometimes but they're having fun uh for me when i lose i'm like okay what do i need to change to get better etc etc okay so i'm I'm hearing uh well i'll some i'll summarize after after ob as his as his thoughts. Ovi is on mute right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just thinking about my thoughts for a moment. Uh, I, you know, when I go into these, I, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things like I, I want to uh, do better, but I also want my dice to roll the best because (laughs) 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 but it is always one of those things like uh you know there's there's that uh little bit where you don't want that to really be all that there is like you want those good interactions uh but uh you know like my my first game uh just you know i was able to set up a really good aro and in the first my opponent spent three orders and his book tar was dead um Mm. And it was just really dice. You know, I set up the opportunity for the dice to work out, but it yeah. was I'm like, I mean, that was good, but it, it was really more just trying to get him to spend orders doing something that's not necessarily achieving the objective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, when they go that well, I, you know, you start feeling a little bit bad. <laughs> so I don't know. Sure. It's, it is kind of one of those things of having to have uh, the mindset of, yeah, trying to do the best you can, but then also uh, in some ways you, have to mitigate how much you're like, oh, I I hope you're having a good game too, <laughs> despite what's going on. Yeah. So okay. So we we've talked about uh, self improvement, climbing the skill ladder. That was actually a, that's a really big part of the draw to infinity for me, which is uh, 
just like self-improvement, um, but also just making sure that your opponent is not just having a good time, but also playing the best that they can, right? And not like not doing something boneheaded because like they just like walked out into the open and they didn't see like the TR bot or something, or or they missed uh, an easy shot that they could have had, right? Um, yeah, and so Moose Man is saying in chat, uh, recent learning as a competitive player, accepting that dice happen, um, separating a factor that can separate good from bad players is how well you can handle failure despite how much effort and skill you poured into it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. But like, so I guess, so so tying into that, what what is the most fun about this whole thing for you in terms of being being competitive? Um, for me, it's definitely when my opponent is firing on all cylinders and like, I'm really sharp. I just had my coffee or something or, uh, you know, uh, it's like the first game and, and, and I'm I, like, it's not like game three and I'm exhausted, but uh, the, everything is clear. There's not a lot of um, discussion about, you know, uh, rules interpretation or anything. And we're just sort of executing on the plan that we both have and responding to each other. And it's really like, I think Eric put it the best which is that uh, he was trying to explain why he loves Infinity so much to his wife. And he was saying that, like, it's a very intimate relationship with your opponent and that you sort of really get to see, especially if you've played this person multiple times, you really get to see how they approach problem solving, right? Um, in, in a shared space, which you are also presumably uh, very... Um, familiar with, right? So if you're a new player, it's hard. But if you if you've been playing Infinity for a while, um, and and so there there are these moments when you, know, you play you play somebody who's uh, who, who's done something very cool, and you're like, oh, I didn't think to do that. What you just did there, I would have never thought to do that. And that's really interesting that you did. Can you talk more about that? So I I am really pleased and happy when something like that happens. Yeah, it's you know, specifically what's fun for me. It's actually a lot more about the socialization. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I should say what's fun is is ten o three hundred o. That's what's fun. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's what's fun for me. Yeah, obviously. Um, but um, for me, it's actually like meeting meeting interesting people. Um, I, the, but that's I but that's not strictly game. a competitive thing, though, right? That's you could get <clears> that as is, a as a as you know to to for lack of a better term at the moment, a a less competitive, casual, there for fun well, you player. Meet, you meet better people the higher higher of the brackets you are, right? Isn't that? Oh yeah, your your worth <laughs> as a human is tied to is tied to your tournament standing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's Adam? terrible. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, that'll be taken entirely out of context. Yeah, that's definitely um, a soundbite you can capture. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thankfully, no one does that because we're not that popular. Um, yeah. So, all right. So I guess, years down I the guess line. Like, there is like <laughs> playing Infinity competitively. I, I was interpreting this more as like, what do I, you know, what is for me is fun about playing Infinity competitively mm. as opposed to specifically what is fun about being competitive about it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally reasonable. I'm just giving you crap because it's my job yeah. on the show. Um, well, okay. So, so the fun about being competitive about it for me, honestly, it's just the constant self-improvement. Mm. I like the, I really like problem solving. That's why I play the game. You know, that's why I do what I do for work. That's why I play the games I play. Um, 
it is a fun collaborative problem solving exercise. Um, I really like, uh, you know, it's funny, like, I really like being a loss of, or a loss of lieutenant or in retreat. Yeah, shockingly, uh-huh. me too. Because it is the, right, like, that's the challenge. Like, suddenly it's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I unfuck this pooch? Like, how do I get myself out of this position? Um, and if everything is going well, there's not that, there's not that, like, difficult, that stress that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so it, it yeah, is there's just a, that. There's a concept called U-stress, E-U-stress. It's just stress with an E-U in front of it. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what that, I'm not sure what Ron Swanson would have to say about it's that. It's European stress. Yeah, right. But it's, yeah. it's, the idea is that it's, it puts you in a, like, because uh, cause stress to some extent activates different parts of the brain to help you problem solve, right? For some people, it causes you to shut down. For other people, with the right amount, you can actually, like, pull out some crazy shit, which is exactly what we're talking about with, like, being in loss, right? Loss of lieutenant. Yeah. Well, um, and that's also, like, where I help my opponent beat me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I get disappointed when I'm playing in a, a tournament and the other person just feels like, you know, if I have, like, a really good turn one, right? And, like, maybe I... I kill their lieutenant or something, and they're just like absolutely in a funk. That's yeah, you know, that might for a lot of people feel like a hard place to uh, to come back from. Um, but for me, like I like turning the table around and looking at the problem from their side, yeah, and then talking with them about the tools that they have available and helping them to come to some conclusions to at least fight back from that a little bit. Um, yeah, it is. It is ultimately the the exercise of problem solving that is that is fun about competitive infinity uh, or at least playing yeah. infinity competitively. Right. What do you guys think? Basic, basically the same. That's, that's more or less where I was going uh, earlier when we were talking about what competitive was is just getting better and putting yourself in different situations, uh, which is basically why I don't take the same list to every tournament, right? Like, mm-hmm. I get bored, get bored taking the same stuff, even if I'm not optimized at it. I'm like, ah, I've taken this in three tournaments. I guess, I guess I'll try something else. Um, but yeah, problem solving for the win. Um, I always like using kind of, you know, different. Uh, you know, uh, Clint was touching on how he likes to mo- change up his lists. I always enjoy uh, trying out different things when I can, um, you know, even with my Toha, I tend to not play what a lot of people, you know, seem to think that you should play, uh, and just try and do these things that work for me. Um, and then just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a, the competitive scene is kind of strange in some ways for me because I'm like, okay, well, I know my Toha, I know I can what do well with them, but they also don't have a lot of tools that other armies have. Sure. So every now and then I'll try something else. And then, uh, you know, then I'll be like, okay, well back to the safety of Toha <laughs> right. where I know what, where I know what I can expect from them. Um, even though there's things, you know, where you can find kind of comparable units. Um, it's just, it, there's something about having an army that you gel with. That's that's interesting. Um, which I haven't quite gotten with anything else except for, Maybe getting close there to what there with Tunguska. Yeah, your Tunguska lists are always very surprising to me, and your Toha lists as well. Um, they just don't fit my playstyle. I mean, maybe maybe we should take the time to look at them if you 
you have them handy, send them my way and I can, uh, yeah, I can pull them up. I think they're in the, uh, the general chat. Well, it is, it is funny. You just thinking about that, that idea of being comfortable with the army that you're playing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think that I have a different approach to you are Saryadna a lot than a lot of people. Like that's the army that I'm definitely probably still the most comfortable with. Um, I think John, you usually come up with pretty novel approaches to whatever garbage you feel like throwing on the table. Um, (laughs) 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 um but there there is that level of like expertise you get playing you know trying to solve the problem from different angles using the same army right and so i mean specifically to that note um i you know like jeff made the the flippant comment that if we're talking about competitiveness we should talk about shit show and this should like should be the only point of discussion for this whole episode. And uh, <laughs> I, I not even joking, um, really think there was a lot of value that we got out of shit show in terms of, uh, yeah. Imp- self-improvement. Um, and also this new, um, so to advertise some more for Shiv games, uh, there is yeah, the right. George Spencer panel invitational coming up on April 1st, which is not a joke. Yeah. Um, Yep, and so every army there is Pano, whether it's actually Pano or not. Everything is Pano, um, and the missions are going to be randomly determined at the table. So two list format as normal. Um, so shit show is sort of like the inverse of shit show. Shit show is you ostensibly know the missions before, and you are given a random pair of lists to play them with. This one is you get to tailor your lists to whatever you want. Obviously a Pano list. Um, uh, but the mission will be random. So this is going to be the all comers list that has to cover all the bases. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, right, so before we get too far away from this comment, a moose man saying there's a guy who's played war machine for a long time. He spoke on a podcast where, uh, he talked about levels of mastery. First, you learn the rules of the game. Second, you learn to master your own army. And then finally true mastery comes from knowing all armies and how they work. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that, that that is accurate. I have some. Uh, I would argue that's that's maybe a little bit more relevant with War Machine due to the well, the nature of like you really have to memorize what every single thing does, right? If you set up against if you set up against most armies and there's a dude there with a gun and you're like, okay, what does he have? He has mimetism and a rifle. Sure. Like you 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 generally know without having to internalize what all of that can do. And there's not a lot of additional context. Okay. Necessary. So I will, I will, I will push back on this a little bit and, okay. and say that uh, here, here, here's a, uh, sorry to sort of pre uh, co-op OB's list discussion, but I wanted to talk about this specifically. So this is because uh, it's relevant to the point Adam's making here. Um, so this is my list for uh, supplies in the recent mind taker tournament. Um, the important things you need to know is that there are three, three real Quangxi. It was a spec ops tournament and one fake Quangxi that had, uh, mine layer and, um, uh, and, uh, I guess I didn't have mine layer. Huh? Whoops. Well, anyway, I guess I cheated, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I never used chain of command, so it's fine. Um, yeah, I just was really risky with my, with my, uh, with my Zanshi, but uh, so I'll I'll correct the list, but uh, anyway, I had Hollow Mask as a Quanshi and Mind Layer, and then I took a Dao Ying with Mind Layer, 
and then the relevant thing that I want to pull up is this. That's not right. That's right. There we go. All right. So here, here's a picture from the game. Okay. Uh, this is the fake Quangxi right here. And um, this is the Daoying here. And then there's a, there's a, this is a mine and that's a mine. And Luna is here on the ground. So basically this had a field of view like this. This had a field of view like this. And I basically, Easy. your mines to project. I usually, I basically covered the whole, the whole table with arrows from mines. Um, and it worked. Um, my, uh, like basically what ended up happening was um the my opponent was playing an avatar list and didn't kill anything on the first turn because the avatar failed the the mine roll failed the uh the discovery, Sorry, the discovery. Roll. yeah and uh then it was just sad so sure and, and i i guess um I don't think there were that many. I mean, this only worked because you had something with Hollow Mask and Mind Lair. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to to have a deep a deeper understanding of different people's armies. But right. I think that because my point was the level of memorization required for War Machine, where every single unit is wildly different from one another. Yes, but I guess. Here, you just need to know what camo tokens would be up for ARO in Yujing Vanilla. Yeah. And the list is pretty small. It's basically that. Luna, a Guilang, maybe, and, um, you know, like a Hundun out of ambush, like out of hidden. Yeah. Game. Like, why would you, right? Unless you were going first and you wanted the order. So, um, if if I had done that against James, who is an exclusively using player in our local meta, right? I I in fact tried, and he's like, "That's that's bullshit." <laughs> Just like <laughs> ignored the mine, right? Uh, and then I did What's it to crap, I did it to Eric, who is a regular but not exclusive Yujing player, and he was thrown for a loop. He had no idea what it was, so he respected the threat and wasted his whole turn trying to deal with it. Uh, and then my round three opponent, I guess, isn't super familiar with Yujing, right? And sure. I blunted an avatar attack, like a full 10 orders of avatar, because I docked two, um, mm -hmm. was, was, uh, and then of course there's a bit of extra, uh, kerfuffle rolled in there with, um, uh, with, uh, the spec ops, but yeah. So. I mean, even knowing that, yeah, against an avatar, even knowing that Luna is going to be a like an avatar's probably not going to care with that BTS nine. Mm -hmm. Like I, I stay in cover and your, your shots still right. don't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, so... that's, that's one thing too, with my list that I've been running is, uh, you know, I have the, uh, being, having access to both the Liberto and the beast hunter. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to make as much use of that as I can because everybody now the, you know, you say, okay, this is a mimetism minus three this is a mimetism you know no negative and they're like okay that's the liberto and theirs is mine but when you have right. a panzer faust instead of a mine it gets a little bit uh you know surprising for folks sure so i i assume you didn't deploy the mine then oh you took the submachine gun one 
I took the submachine gun one. It's uh, this one. I think it was on this list because of the uh, SWC. Yeah, yeah, you're at five and a half. Yeah. Okay, so let's just run down the 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 uh, the list for the for the viewers at home or the listeners in the car more accurately. So you've got your ten point Chaxa, Jan Star, a Grafe operator, the uh, impersonation. Impersonation. Yep. Uh, chain of command Kaltar with bomb and mate, uh, Sukiel HMG. Uh, McCall Viral CCW, uh, Takiel Plus One Order Lieutenant with Viral Combi, uh, Double FO Clipsos. That's the that's the end of Group One. Group two, that's nine orders. And Group Two is uh, uh, Lemieux with uh, MSV One, a Tagma, uh, a, a Liberto, and the Beast Hunter. So this is the submachine gun Liberto, zero swick, eight points. Uh, and then hiding the, the Beast Hunter as the money, which is pretty smart. What did you What did you hollow mask the Tagma as? I uh, hella masked it as the uh, uh, delegate, so that's an irregular order. So that can sometimes, you know, help people. Uh, you know, they think there's something else out there, or they think they one of the main is are instead of a uh, beast hunter, they think might think it's in a gal. Um, sure, sure. Which you know, they also don't necessarily want to get too close to. Right. Um, but the funny thing was is that on my courtesy list, it printed out as a stagma, so. <laughs> most people were able to suss it out <laughs> oh well awesome. awesome um i was thinking about also maybe doing it as uh another armand uh that way folks you know there's there's potentially two armands out there uh if you keep them prone they don't know which one to really counter against yeah or you know stay safe against or set up an aro against yeah i've done that to people uh with a bashi same, same, same trick. It's pretty. Michael now with Lemieux is CC kills. I've done oh, that really? once. Um, well, he's, he's pretty reasonable. Oh yeah, Natural no. Born Warrior CC twenty something and burst it's two twenty one, burst yeah. two because of the breaker pistols. Yep. Yep. If he's not fighting, you know, against any non-specialist, he's he's pretty decent. I um, especially if it's something that he might have trouble dislodging, you know, close up. Yeah. Uh, like I've. Did that to a Ryukin nine one time. It like was all up in my face, and I was just like, "Well, I'm gonna move into close combat and shoot you with my pistols." Yeah. Uh, and the guy was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I regret this." Uh, what do you think about this, Clint? As another Toha player? Uh, it looks a lot more. Um, I mean, it's got the tequila in it, but it seems very. You you. I don't run the Beast Hunter very much in Toha. Maybe I should. I don't really run it in anything, but pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. One McCall is kind of the one thing here that I would change. Do you only have one triad? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the McCalls, I tend to only take one uh, in each list uh, because that's the thing that everybody hates. And, uh, I think, as I've, I've said before, is that uh, there's so much things that people can hate about Doha. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want them just hating one thing. Uh, I want them to hate Suki Yules that make, you know, eight armor safes. Yep. <laughs> oh, I hate you so much, Obi. I hate you so much. <laughs> don't hate me. Hate the Suki Yule. No, no, it's, it's the one you. that made the armor safes. <laughs> the the, the Suki was rolling zero dice. That was all you. <laughs> It's oh, the goodness. it was the spirit of the mini. She's yeah. a fighter. Yeah. The heart of the cards, as it were. 
Yeah, I, I played Obi round four, and uh, his armor two freaking Sukiel made eight out of nine missile saves. Oh my goodness. Yeah, see, I don't know why people say the guided missile is too strong. That's... Yeah, right? We'll just pass your armor saves and no more wrong. Yeah, good. Freaking Bakunin using Nerf brand missiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was your first mistake. It it carried over, Obi. My next game, I hit a moderator with a missile. He didn't care. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was he, was, he was moderating. Yeah, hit it with what the you, nerf bat. He was like, what, no, delete. What are, you, what are you worried about with the uh, with the guided missile? There's nothing, nothing to be afraid of. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, this list, too, was also just kind of my... I mean, because the, the missions themselves had a lot of, uh, it was like board control type of stuff or button control type of stuff. So I had yeah. those clips out there uh, to be able to, you know, be my button pushers off the table if I needed them to be. Um, but for like, we did quadrant control. I just put them in an area where I felt like I could maybe move them without, you know, getting hit by a mine or, you know, I could mm-hmm. clear a mine out um, with something else and then have them move to get into a good quadrant. But they, I just deployed them out of hidden deployment so that I had the orders um, and had, you know, Janstar and the Grief Operator try and do some things. Makes sense. What about your other list? Uh, so my other list... Let's uh, that. All right, so... This was, this was the one that Clint fought. This was... I built this um, specifically for uh, Mindwipe. This was my only one way to deal with computers list. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there you was... go. So this is uh B Center, uh the actual mine layer version of the Liberto. Draw a mine layer with AP marksman, another grief. Uh so this is important because it starts uh, next to the servers and has decharges. Janstar again, uh same Keltar with Symbiobomb and Mate, uh a McCall, uh the Sukio Lieutenant, Ford Observer with K1 Combi, uh Kisan, the uh Dire Foes with Viral Combi, um uh, another Keltar non-chain of command, also Symbiobomb and Mate. And then group two is Nikul, Mine Layer with Viral Sniper, SMG, Calry Sentinel with the double nanopulsers, and a Gartos- Gartosos Paramedic with D-Judges. Uh, so one thing about this list is pretty much everything has D-Judges. Um, you yeah. know, even uh, the Sukiul and Kisan both have them. Uh, Kisan was also a killer hacker, so I was able to you give her the uber hacker commando in case that you know mm-hmm. got desperate um and also she can uh go into cyber mask which is good uh because that's another way to just kind of avoid uh some of those you know interactions that you want to if possible yeah he charges everywhere but yeah it, this actually list it was interesting because i this was actually the only list that I'd actually practiced with before mm-hmm. going into the tournament mm-hmm. because I knew Mindwipe and it's it's fairly light on regular orders in that first group. I don't have a tagman there to give me the counterintelligence. Yeah, so, so somebody if I'm going takes first, that's six orders basically. Yeah, um, and you know if I have Janstar and the grief operator really wanting to do something uh, first turn, they, there's only so much that they can do. Uh, and then I also want to probably try and hit that button early on uh, because 
it can get even more difficult if I can get it the first turn. It also locks the opponent into a certain sure. uh, quadrant. What was your uh, What was your plan for that? The draw. The draw, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just moving quick, um, and the, either the draw or the sukiel because the sukiel is a forward observer as well. Right. Got it. Yeah. So I mean, I I think this is probably a probably non-standard Toha list again, right? Would you would you agree uh, with that statement, Clint? Um, I mean, I think I've seen it on the internet a lot. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people that were using this list. This list felt a lot more um, N3 Toha, right? You don't see a um, Tequil in there. and Oh, sure. The Sukiel Lieutenant is very common. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually, I don't know. The Sukiel Lieutenant I, I found was really useful in some of the practice games I did. Mm-hmm. Having that K1 combi rifle. Um, yeah, it solves a lot of know. problems. Somebody brought out a Taskmaster, and I was able to get it out of cover and just delete it in one shot. Um, so it's, you know, whereas it's like with Viral sometimes, even with Viral, it's like, okay, well, you still need need to fail 7s instead of, you know, 12s, which is a pretty big difference. Yeah. And then also having that extra, uh, uh, the mimetism helps. Yep. And you don't expect to use a deploy deployable repeater, but sometimes you do. That was that was really why I brought Kison was because I was like, okay, well, I want this the Suki Lieutenant because that's something that can blow up the objective with a decharge. And then I was like, I saw that deployable repeater, and I was like, if I can ever get this to go off, it'll be you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it did. (laughs) So it was a good secret, Clint. (laughs) Awesome. That's the way to do it. Going against Toha with nomads, I should be fine with my custodiers. Nope. Spoiler alert, they were not fine. <laughs> oh no. Well, so so bringing it back to to what's fun about competitive uh, about the competitive aspect of Infinity, what is fun about the competitive aspect of Infinity is that I think that because the game does have expressive uh, means to solve problems during the game. Yeah. It is actually kind of fun to use non-stand, you know, non-standard lists. Sure. Yeah, I think that oh. it also you kind of run into other people playing lists that you might not run into normally as well. Like that's one thing yeah. that you can kind of fall in, fall into if you're just kind of playing the same people, is that they'll tend to run the same list because that's the list that they've found that's working for them, mm-hmm. and they really want to hone in on that. Uh, but then sometimes it's like, okay, I'm throwing. This, you know, all kinds of different stuff at it. And I don't know if I, you know, what I'm doing is good, but then you, you know, because you, you're still throwing it at the same thing. Um, so the problems that you're encountering are the same. You're not finding new problems to solve. Yeah. As Cole, uh, Cole put it in the chat, like the, the game never feels solved. Right. It's the, I've never played, you know, two games and I felt like I had the same game. Right. Yeah, uh, which I've played. Uh, you know, I, I've had that experience in other games where it's like, "Oh, cool! I'm playing against this army. I've played against that army before. I know exactly what you're going to do every turn of the game, and I'm going to lose." Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it never I, is really that that finished state. And I think that's where it's it's fun to go to like the larger tournaments too, because even you know if you're playing at smaller ter- local tournaments, uh, sometimes it 
you can also still run into that same thing of, you know, you're just playing the same five to 10 people mm -hmm. um, yeah. rather than finding, you know, like there's some folks that came out from the East coast, which was a lot of fun. Um, though I don't think I got, I think I got to play one, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Was... I mean, I, I think I'm very thankful for the current tournament setup we have in Oregon, which is that we crossed the border to go to Washington, just like literally across the Oregon, Washington border to play in Vancouver. Um, and that pulls in all the people like from the Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia area. So like up in Northern parts of Washington state. Uh, and then we also get to go down to Shiv and pull everybody in from that area as well. So we actually get a pretty, and then, you know, we all have our game nights locally in the Portland area. So we get to basically experience three distinct metas. Um, and so we get a pretty rich experience and I think it's pretty similar in, in at least your neck of the woods, right? Obi? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, it's still uh, the closest one that I'm, I, you know, I tend to run is or regularly, um, about an hour North, um, but it seems like we're we're kind of getting there. It seems like Sacramento's uh, kind of working on ramp, ramping up, uh, so we get a little bit more of that. But um, it's, I think I think you you're in a definitely nice spot because each of those drives is only about an hour or hour yeah, and a half. it's about an hour forty five minutes depending. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're very uh, lucky for sure. Yeah, whereas like seven mine, it's like you know it really depends on traffic. It's like oh, it's an hour and a yeah. half. Well, you live in the Bay Area, so yeah. everything depends on traffic. I'm, I'm 15 miles away. This took an hour and a half. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of different lists, my final round uh, in Santa Cruz was against another Bakunin player. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm bringing Riot Girls in this list. I was like fully expecting almost a mirror match. But he brought um, a moderator core with Wolfgang in it. Okay. He had a he had a free floating Kusanagi. Um, he had the Taskmaster Morlock Harris, which I didn't have because right girls don't leave you a lot of points for a Taskmaster. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we had almost nothing in common. We both had Zoe and Pywell, I think, is what we had in common. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. That's funny. He brought a zero uh, sniper, multi-sniper. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's an ask, I feel like. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll take a... I, I love infiltrating snipers, but they need something beyond just the ability to infiltrate or it's quick discount, right? So if you're looking at, like, the Hunza cut, right? That's 0.5. And then the zero is just mimetism minus three, BS eleven. But if you like upgrade that to mimetism six, yeah. But I'd rather take the mim six sniper with a, maybe even like a one point BS upgrade, right? That's yeah. What or, mim six sniper? Oh, not Spectre, yeah. something. Spectre, Rockman. Yeah. Oh, and and vanilla. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. But I, I uh, but. So, I mean, like, when you're reaching for the grab bag of tools, like, the Zero Sniper is not one that I would ordinarily think about. Because um, it, it just only, feels inconsistent more, to me. It is only two points. Quick aside, it is only two points more than a Foxtrot Sniper. Sure. Which I think is the, which I think is the cheapest infiltrating sniper in the game. I think the big thing, too, is that it is a, you know, at least it's a multi-sniper. 
Like that's I mean kind of the big thing with yeah, like multi. the uh Hansakut uh or even the Clipsus in uh Toha, which is you know, it's got MIM six, but it's only got a regular sniper. So like yeah. I kinda never feel the reason to take it. Um, I, I feel like that's okay for me though, because uh I can spend this wick elsewhere. It's a kind of talking about what Moose been saying and uh I guess Cole and saying in the uh um in chat, like the Tareg sniper is the same concern but that's less swick right so you can feel i mean but hawk isn't really starved for swick so it's probably okay i mean this is sort of a nice segue into talking about um optimization and like whether or not something is quote-unquote good and worth taking right and i think there's this sort of conflation between is something actually good or not right and like what does that even mean and and like being good at making statements like that makes you competitive, right? Does that make sense? Right? Like the fact that you can make those kinds of statements makes you quote unquote a competitive player as opposed to your performance on the table. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like, there's definitely something to it though, right? Like people look at particular profiles because they do provide performance, but you also need to know how to use profiles that are, less good and still find uh find benefit well it, it is kind of funny because i feel like i this comes from maybe playing uh from heavy gear blitz where sure. i would say that the, it is the point costs aren't as finely tuned as they are in infinity and kind of the the response for that is <clears throat> that it's it's close enough and like plus or minus a point never killed you know isn't the reason why you're gonna win or lose the game um you know, sometimes people look at something that is uh, what, what people might say is a little bit unoptimized. But if it's the right tool in the right situation, it's it, it doesn't matter what it costs. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the this thing about the zero is if you can set up a nice um, spot where it's for uh, you know up the table prone that you can then pop up at a uh, you know later turn. Could potentially really just hamper your opponent's movement because they're in a spot where they're going to be at like a negative, you know, six because of range cover or or mimetism, um, you know, while you're still at your your good band, and then it can just cause your opponent to waste orders in like those crucial last turns, mm -hmm. um, which is one thing that I was you know really trying to focus on with. Uh, you know, with most of what I was doing, especially with like uh, the Griff Operator and Jan Stars, taking out those smaller units rather than potentially key units, or like you oh, know, strong, you know, talk, talk pieces. more about that. What do you What do you mean? Uh, well, like the uh, one of the folks I played, he had uh, you know some combined army stuff, and he had uh, uh, bit and kiss. Up on and he had a Ecodron next to Kiss. So I put my Grifop or my Jan Star so that I could get both of them with a shotgun. So with one order, I was able to take out two of his. Mm -hmm. And he also had a missile launcher, so I was able to kind of negate the threat of her pitchers. Um, and then with my Grief Operator, I was able to set up behind his Liberto, kill the Liberto. And then I ran through and killed uh, both of his uh, net rods or mm. um, Imitrons. Imitrons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Um, so it was really just more about uh, trying to make sure that to kill as much stuff that I could so that he would have less orders in the following uh, turns because it was uh, acquisition. And Oh, you know, sure. Very order intensive. It, it can be. I mean, sometimes. Uh, sometimes you just get it in one go because you have the guys that get the bonus. Uh, whereas I struggled trying to hit it three times, and I was just like, all right. But I mean, I you still need to get there, right? So, <laughs> Well, you know, you infiltrate. Yeah. Then you don't care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> so but, another thought, you know, think about that zero, like, what if what if the you know the person's really comfortable using coordinated orders, right? Throwing a camouflage marker into a coordinated attack like absolutely like ruins their plans. With a free floating right? kusanagi as well, that's actually not a bad option. Yeah, because if they if they delay, you know, if you can't delay against the camo marker at all, sure, right? Because well, just you uh, you can you can, and you, then they just shoot you. Yeah, with, yeah, you uh, can, and then you're and then you're aft, right? Um, so like it's it's basically guaranteed in a coordinated order to be able to fire the uh I mean you're basically yeah. forcing a dodge. Yeah, yeah. That's the outcome. I mean you you're kind of doing that in a coordinated order anyway. Sure, yeah. But now you're really, you know, forcing the issue. Because you know, you might depending on what's in the coordinated order, you might be like, Oh, uh the likelihood of you hitting me, right? Like uh pretty low, so maybe it's fine. I th- I think the I think the value from the zero sniper is that you don't know it's a sniper, like yeah yeah. I mean it's off meta for sure because yeah every everything we've said so far is oh you why would you use that and, and then suddenly it's like oh this guy just shot me in the face that's why you do it <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> but that's actually an interesting thought like this is you know this is a, a totally off meta. Uh, strategy, but including a camouflage sniper in a coordinated order where your main intention is actually to move, move. Sure. Would people fall for that, though? It well, really depends. Cause... Even if whatever, like what? What are their options, right? So their options: they don't delay. Yeah. <clears throat> right. They shoot one of your models that you're going to move, move. That hops out to the open. That one model dies. And now you're going to hit them with a DA or AP round. I mean, almost always DA. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't Lesnar Armor 9? Uh, armor 8 so, is the uh, is the cutoff. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it forces them to consider, like, is it worth trading this model to shoot that model that's moving the open? See, but the problem, though, is that it's not very... It's not very reliable. reliable right? Because yeah. you like, let's assume that there's no Viz mods in play. So you're looking at an 11, right? On that zero. Sure. So yeah. you threw, I don't know, like a moderator under the bus to get this one shot on an 11. Now the gig is up. Well, it's, it's, it's insurance. You're just buying insurance. I'm moving out in front of that TR bot. That TR bot could light up one of my moderators. Sure. But then I've got, you know, you don't know what's on the camouflage marker. But let's say that they figure it out that it is a sniper. Mm-hmm. Like, is it worth sacrificing your TR bot to kill that one moderator? Well, I right. mean, I, you... well, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm saying is you do this thing, the TR bot ices the moderator, right? And now you're left with a zero there and no moderator, and the zero is just sort of chilling in the midfield now. 
But that was your, but your second sword skill you can then shoot. And no, 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 I know, I know, right? So the moderator her. walks out, Zero peeks out from around the corner, right? And then moves back. And yeah. then you ask for arrows. The TR bot owner says, I blap the moderator. You say, okay, I reveal the zero and I shoot and I roll a 17. What do you, sure. What do you, you do when, you, when you always roll 17. So I know, I know. I'm just, but I'm just saying, right? Like, it's, it's one shot and on an 11. It, it, yeah. like, I guess I'm not. Versus not in a coordinated, it's at least two shots on Yeah, 11s. right. With the surprise attack, and that's probably going to get you the advantage that you might need. That's probably I mean, better. I, again, I, I think the real advantage is, uh, you know, is them not necessarily expecting it to be a sniper rifle, uh, because you you tend to expect, okay, it's a camo token in Bakunin. That's mm-hmm. a zero. He's going to go try and, you know, he's a hacker. I don't want to get within eight inches of him. Uh, sure. Or I want to get in, you know, or I want to go and get him with a, you know, template or something, but, you know, different story. Um, but you know your your expectation of him is different, so you treat it differently, and that can open up opportunities to for you to use that sniper rifle that may not you know that you're not going in there knowing exactly what you want this guy to do. You know that he's going to be there and just be something that is going to pick off those kind of the smaller isolated targets that they might set up. You know he's not going to be your guy to take out their fully linked Kamau. Mm-hmm. Um, but he might be able to be the guy that, you know, takes out one of the side come out or, you know, the machinist that was helping to get, provide that bonus. Sure. Um, or even just in the last turn, again, just popping it up and it's a camo token that's got a sniper rifle that they can't really just move, move through, you know, mm-hmm. they could, cause you, again, you can always roll a 17 and miss, mm-hmm. but getting hit with a DA round, you know, because you're trying to run across the, you know, run across the, to hit a button because it was further than, you know, the two orders that you needed to go and do it. Um, you know, I feel like that in itself can have its its own just like extra mental tax in the late game. Yeah, so I, I think it's good. I think it's funny trying to bring it back to the competitive uh, topic mm-hmm. is you were saying earlier, there's a lot of people who like don't take non-competitive uh, uh, options like mm-hmm. they wouldn't take this. Um, Whereas I actually think it's competitive to just have an unexpected tool, right? Sure. Because that that brings value by itself. It's not super great at what it does, but it's the only thing that is a sniper in camo, so they don't know it's a sniper. Like, And I think bringing things people aren't expecting can give you an advantage which is you know the competitive aspect there yeah and to sort of build on that right like uh, i I'd, I'd like to think i've i've maybe not made a name for myself but made it known that i'm into <laughs> weird and uh, off meta plays in terms of list building and so you think i'd be all over the zero right um <laughs> but you know Given the choice, you would take the the improvement of MIM three to six and BS eleven to twelve of the Spectre and pay pay the cost for that. Um, but I mean, like, really, it's it's not that significant a departure in terms of statistics, right? Um, it's 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 obviously non-zero, right? It is it is unequivocally better, but you pay for it, and so does that. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, it... of course it's not a zero. It's a specter. Exactly. Thank you, Obi. God damn it, Obi. But like, is it? Is that make it? Right, I mean, like it's just it's just kind of a a funny little thing, right? Like here we are talking about being competitive and uh, and you know being very nitpicky about this one profile that I've I've never seen on the table ever um, in my decade or whatever playing this game, uh, and I've tried a bunch of Nomad profiles. I just never really gravitated towards that one. I had um, to double check to make sure it existed. Yeah, right. No, it does exist. I have I have considered it many a time. But I thought a, I was just lying to you. Yeah, Is that yeah. What you I mean, Clint, Clint, no, uh, like, dude, Clint, you got you got cheated. <laughs> yeah, they famous famous liar, Clint. You know. Yeah. But I, I guess I guess really what it boils down to is is there's a lot of pre baked in biases, right, in in these decision making processes, and I think part of being competitive is uh, acknowledging that and mm-hmm. sort of trying to push through it and find uh, something useful out of out of the, the new idea, right, in this case. Which random lists are great for. Yeah. Yeah, so to tie it, tie it back to making Shiv <laughs> and Jeff look good, try random lists. They're good. Honestly, Super competitive. The, uh, the, uh, the, the shit show is a fantastic competitive training exercise. Yep. Jeff. Um, yeah, we all came back harder and meaner, more willing to just grind people into the dirt. Hey, my Obi, days- I do not need to hear about how much harder you were, okay? <laughs> all right, so yeah, so obviously we enjoy this 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 mindset, this approach to gaming. Um, but what what is not fun about about uh I guess the competitive aspect of gaming, right? Um, I mean, there there can be a, uh, a negative connotation to being competitive. It make make you seem like there's there's a spectrum of of uh, of of sportsmanship, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, uh, I, I like I've tabled a bunch of people uh recently and i'd like to think that <laughs> i'd like to think that it was a it was a fun game for them right um but uh you know i remember a couple of tournaments ago i was like uh you know i sorry that was uh that was a rough game and my opponent who was coming right off of just being tabled was like are you are you actually sorry <laughs> you know and i was like yeah i i, I want to make sure you're having a good time right but when it's I think we were playing like Annihilation or something. I was like, well, when we're playing Annihilation, right? Like, I'm not going to let off the gas until there's nothing left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Annihilation. Yeah, and it's not like this has come up before, right? Like, so, so, so Jeff at, at Shiv, right? I, I tabled my decap opponent round two, and he's like, oh, so your opponent had a good game, eh? And I was like, I, I was like, I didn't know what to say to that. I was like, uh, sure, I guess you seem pretty happy. Right, I took it. I took it at face value, and you know, it's it's just Jeff's uh, way of nudging me and being like, "Hey, we're trying to be chill. We're trying to make sure that the new players are having a good time," which is definitely something I support. And I think the way I approach the game, um, I've learned that, you know, for somebody who really wanted to be a professor in another life, right, it's it's very difficult for me to teach infinity. Um, 
I'm 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 very capable of having a nuanced and like strategic discussion about something, but like just going through the nuts and bolts and like giving a demo game, I I have a really hard time doing it because I can't stop. Like it's, it's, there, qualifying there's qualifying so, things. Well, no, no, not, not qualifying things, but um, <laughs> I can't pull the punch, right? Mm. Like, like if I see if I see an opening. I'm going to exploit it because I, by the time I realize that I've exploited it and it's bad to do that to a new player, it's over, right? I've already rolled the dice and I'm like, oh shit, uh, maybe I should, mm, but I can't walk it back now. That was like four orders in and I was just talking through my thought process. Um, so I don't, I don't even really realize that I'm in the process of tabling somebody because I'm, I'm really just, uh, just doing it. And so this came up in a conversation like with other people and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that something that is, is okay? Like, what is that? I mean, if your opponent's not having a good time, it, it's, it's, it's their responsibility to tell you, uh, if, especially if you don't know the person, you can't read their, like read their emotional state, right? If they're, if they're a stranger to you or if they're like good at hiding it, like, Hey, uh, can we, can we take a break? I'm not having a time. Like, I, I, I think that's, at least for me, what I would expect out of a social contract. I, I'm obviously going to make the attempt to, to... If you're like obviously having a miserable time, we'll hit pause. But Yeah, I was going to say that puts a lot of onus on the other person to also I, I, the... Right, but I mean like I can't... Like if, if you're just a sphinx the whole time and I can't pick up on it... Sure, sure. Like what, I, I can't... Mean, you know, yeah. they got to have their poker face on though, you know? Yeah, right? Oh not God. everybody can be brachial. You know? Um, I... Yeah, I think for super early games, demo games, stuff like that, you need to be in loss of lieutenant or loss of lieutenant plus. Like you don't spend more than two orders on one guy. Like just because it can just really turn into just oh my one guy got real lucky and just beat all your faces in. Sure, I mean. That's that's kind of what one of the games that I had in the shit show is like I was like okay this is this is going really well so I'm gonna kind of put some things out there that that they can kill like they're not key pieces to me um, you know I might end up killing them anyways just in the the you know exchange because that does happen mm-hmm. um, I mean it tends to happen more in those demo games where I. Uh, you know, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I'll set this up this ARO so you'll be at the advantage, and then you know they'll do it, and then I end up killing them. I'm like, well, see, normally that would <laughs> normally they would have totally gone your way. I, would say, I definitely would but, only do that in a in a early educational game. Sure. Well, I guess I guess let's take a look at another concrete example from this last weekend. Um, sure. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. All right, so here here's a game versus White Company, um, and basically what you need to know is there is a Fusilier link like right here. This is a Fusilier missile launcher, um, and this is Luna. And so what ended up happening was there's a Varangian somewhere in this picture. I don't I don't remember exactly where, and they put smoke here. So there's a big smoke cloud right there, and so I was like, so you know. Um, some of these camo markers may have MSV, right? And they were like, okay, duly noted. Um, and then this is my, my mine, right? So I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they walked their spec ops. So their spec ops was the last model in the train, right? Of sure. I waited 
until the spec ops appeared and then I shot it through the smoke with Luna and killed it. And that was like, we had like a bunch of doctor engineer classifieds, it was highly classified. And so I was like, that guy, die. And so that was like a big swing because then they couldn't do any of the objectives. Um, but in the post game, right? So one of the really interesting things about this particular game was that the player is newer. They've been playing for about a year. Um, they have about 50 games under their belt. So we talked a little bit about it at the beginning. And I was like, hey, look, I'm a, I'm a war core. I'm happy to uh, talk you through all this stuff. If you have any questions about what I'm doing, if I'm playing too fast, anything like that, let me know, right? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm in tournament mode. I'm going to autopilot a lot of things. If you want me to slow down and explain what I'm doing, you know, let me know. Um, also, uh, if you, if you want to roll anything back before we've rolled dice or anything like that, I'm more than happy to do that because, you know, you're, I, I want you to be not taxed by, um, all the additional pressure, but just be taxed by making good decisions. So that makes any sense, right? You should have sure. complete situational awareness. And so, which is why I was like, some of these camo markers may have MSB, just letting you know. And so, yeah. um, they were they they the person name is Eric. So Eric was exhibiting uh, really good um, uh, general practices. So as they were moving their link around, they're like, I gotta be careful um, and uh, save some orders to reposition my link at the end when they're where they need to be. They're kind of clumped up right now. I feel very uncomfortable. I don't like this. I'm worried about this camel token. I'm worried about that camel token. I'm gonna set up smoke. And they were just like talking through the whole mental process. So that actually helped me a lot and being able to uh, help them post game, right? Because I was, I was able to say like, oh, well, this is where I think things went wrong for you because once that, um, once that uh, fusilier indigo went down, then their entire thing crumbled, right? So basically Luna really only sees this angle right here. And there is nothing saying that the link could not have done this, right? And they ended up in this region right there so that would have taken, I don't know, one and a half, two more orders to do that, but it's 100% safe, right? Um, and their rebuttal to that was, well, what about this Fusilier missile launcher up here? And I was like, who cares mm -hmm. about that guy, right? In your first order, just dodge him standing, right, into the defensive position there, right? And then reconnect him later. And so they're like, oh, I never, I never thought about that. Um, that was, uh, you know, that was a big learning for them. And so, so I think part of being competitive, and this goes back to your point, Adam, about, um, about making sure your opponent has the best game possible, right? Uh, yeah. Especially after the game, walking them through what you think they could have done better. And, and uh, I, it's, it's weird, right? Because because they're in the situation, like it ended up being at the, at the end, near the end of the game, they were trying to defend their HVT from the attack they knew was coming. And they're like, I don't want to move this this FO bot, which is the suppression, because I can't go anywhere. And I was like, you know, it's fine. You don't have to. And I was like, but are you sure you want to do that? And so we had a big discussion about it. Um, but I, I think uh, had this player not been uh, in a mindset where like, I'm here to learn, I'm here to improve. I want you to teach me what I did wrong or could have done better, right? Uh, this could have been a really unfun game for them. Um, I ended up tabling this person uh, mostly in ARO. Luna killed a ton of stuff, right? Um, so, you know, I was like this. I, I, I was happy to just take out the spec ops. And if it died to anything after that, I would have been like, 
I'm in a great position already. Um, but that was that was not the case. She she really went on a tear. Um, so it, it could have been really crappy. And I, I think I think part of part of the the unfun aspects is when when it does feel really crappy and both people aren't really addressing that in a safe way, right? And it's it's hard to do that in a tournament setting, especially if you've yeah. never met the person before. It's it sucks when your opponent isn't having a good time. Yeah, like plain and simple, like that. That's always a bummer. Um, my uh, least favorite thing about competitive games of Infinity specifically uh, is when games get real dicey. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of feels like I'm not playing the game anymore. I, whichever way it goes, like I've been on both sides, right? Where sure. I was getting like triple crits like multiple times in a row, and I'm like, I guess the dice gods are giving me this game. I don't know what to say. Or right. I play against Obi, and his stupid Sukiel won't die. Like one, one, one way <laughs> or the other. Hey, you know, you just had to throw the HMG at it. That's you know. That's I, I'm do. still not sure that was more efficient like on average but that's besides the point because you had cover anyways i think uh, I think, uh, I think blood bowl has made me much more zen about dice mm. like yep i can absolutely lose this game not based on any decision that i made because nuffle hates me like 100 percent, it's entirely feasible um it's not fun but it, uh, like i i then still try to find the fun in it as, as best i can yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to some degree, I think I feel like that more with Toha, and maybe that's why I like uh, to bring them to, like, the larger tournaments, is because when those dice are not going well, I tend to have a better idea of how things normally go. So I'm not just like, okay, was that the right decision? Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, with, you know, I'll bring my Tunguska, and I'm like, okay, cool, I made this cool list, and then, you know, this cool piece that I brought dies to a mine. Or something like that, you know. It's like just like the most, you know, dies to a pistol crit, and it's like, okay, well, was that a good choice that I was doing to even set up that shot at this point? Right. And it's like, well, yes, it was because it was a pistol. I had, you know, but and crits just happen. But because I don't have like the, I guess, the reps with other armies, you kind of get that more. You can, I don't know, at least You're more, I do, more, I more upset because you don't, you don't have a calibration for. I guess because part of it, you yeah. know, it's I, like it's standard performance, you know, yeah. I don't have that, that baseline for standard performance for this unit in what I want to do with it. Right. And I, I often speak about uh, what you can ask a unit to do. And I think that is very much what you're touching on now. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, I tried playing about six or seven games or, you know, maybe 10 games of, uh, with JSA since N4, and I'm like, I know. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I feel with. Like, um, nope, they're done. <laughs> with uh, with Cosmoplot. Putting them aside. Yeah. Like, I don't like any of these tools. Just, like, give me, just give me back my flamethrowers and infiltrating grunts. Like, I mean, Cosmoplot is is unequivocally good. It's just, I I don't find them particularly interesting to play, which is not a criticism of them. It's just my personal preference. Yeah. But it's that same thing. It's it's w- when you're familiar with something like I think U.S. Ariada is by far the the smallest sectoral in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of the units it has, I mean, like the difference between a grunt in Ohio and a marauder, 
is is yeah. pretty damn negligible anyways. Um, but being very comfortable with the tools, right? It's like you, you do like, oh, I know to solve this problem. I'm going to coordinate three grunts. It's like, what? It's like, you yeah, know, it'll be fine. Like one of these rifles will hit you. Right. I, I think that's dead. Don't really care. Yep. Yep. I think the thing that upsets me the most about like dicey games is not so much dicey games. Like, they're upsetting period. But um, when I know I could have done better, right. That's one. Sure. Right. Where you're like, I, I guess happened against Steve very recently. I was, I, I that was the saltiest I've been in years. I feel like, cause Steve's an excellent player, right? He's like top, Top twenty right now in the world. I forget what his exact exact rate. There's a bunch of IGL I stuff that's that, happened. Yeah, I think he's yeah. he's like top ten at least. Yeah, yeah. So so he's very good. Uh, and I had a game against him, and I just like shit the bed entirely. It was terrible. He tabled me. It was awful. Um, but like it wasn't. Um, like it, it it just it just didn't feel good in the sense that uh, I I did not give him a challenging game. It was just sort of just like us going through the motions of a game, right? Uh, and I was not in a good headspace, and I was just like, I committed to something that was risky. It didn't pay off, and I don't think that I can take that kind of risk against a player of Steve's caliber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I knew that going in, and I did it anyway. Um, and that one decision f- snowballed into the, the game loss for me, and it was just like very disappointing that... Um, like to me that I I just wasn't you know giving him the best like game that I could have right and that happens to you know another another context as well and then the other thing that really sucks is when you know you're playing very competitively and then like one very minor decision is made and that oh it just snowballs it's the game right so a perfect yeah. example uh, I was playing Biotech Vor I made a random decision to put uh, my Grenzer Lieutenant to the right of my Moderator Paramedic. And uh, there was a small sliver of LOF to a tag that I did not account for. Um, and it just so happened that the Grenzer was there as opposed to the moderator. And I lost my lieutenant in biotech for, and that was game. Right. Uh, right. And, you know, the funny, the really funny thing is that uh, the tag almost died to the zone because it was like a hair outside of it at the end of the turn. And so this is a risk that the other player did not need to take. Right. And he didn't even know that it was my lieutenant. He was just like, it's a model I can shoot. Right? And that, like, one off-the-cuff, like, sure, fuck it, I'll shoot this thing, because why not? And I guess the tag might take a wound, but eh. Like, that is, is a game, a game-winning game decision. Right? And then I had to sit there for another hour and a half and, like, make BTS rolls. And I was like, this is unfun for both of us. And the first thing he said to me after that, he was like, well, I do not like because he's pretty new, right? Or rather, he's not new. He's returning to the game after a long hiatus, and he was like, "I do not like biotech war." <laughs> that was, those are the first words out of his mouth after we shook hands, um, and so I was like, <laughs> uh, "Yeah." <laughs> so that's funny. I like biotech war. Eh. Dante's inferno for the win. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Panic Room fixed it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But Dante's Inferno is also very good. Um, but I okay. yeah, go ahead. Um, it's like, let's get, do you have more to add to to why it's why it's not fun? No, no, not at the time. Okay, cool. Um, so 
How do you how do you how do you get uh, get better, get gooder, get more competitive? Is there a a right way to put that? How do you hone your competitive edge? I think is the uh, the, the phrase that John keyed in there. Um, and I think it's honestly just reps. Reps, yeah. I mean, purposeful me, reps, though. I mean, yes and no. Bad reps are better than no reps. I got a yeah. bad rep. <laughs> oh god! No, you were, you were like, like, I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, no. For me, it's it's actually not so much reps. It is uh, knowing other armies. Like this okay. kind of goes back to when I play uh, played 40k. Hmm. Was I played Sisters of Battle before they had an update? So mm-hmm. they were one of the worst, you know, armies out there with the least things that they actually could do. But if I just knew somebody else's army well enough, I knew could focus my fire on one or two things a turn and take that unit off the table. And then, you know, and then so sometimes that was basically knowing what my opponent could do. And then also because sometimes with 40K, people just tell you crazy stuff like, oh, yeah, no, these guys have a three up invulnerable save. And you're like, oh, okay, well, shoot, I can't do anything about that. And then you go back and you look at the rule book and it was like, oh no, they have a three up armor save. What, what, what was, what's that about? Sure. <laughs> or, sure. you know, they had a five up armor, you know, right. vulnerable save. Why was he saying it was three up? Um, so knowing what your opponent's army is, uh, it also helps me kind of math out, uh, my choices with things, uh, when I have kind of a general idea of what, uh, could be out there, or what is out there, um, you know, sometimes you can let that get into your own head as far as like, you know, if there's an octopus hiding out there. But um, with things like that, like, I mean, John, you know, you have your your snipers and your camo tokens. Like, I've kind of got to the point where if I don't discover something, I generally just kind of throw things out there until you shoot and then I'll dodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then, uh, you know sometimes and try and leave up a good aro piece to take it or you know a good attack piece to take it out uh, afterwards mm-hmm. uh but sometimes it's just like you know knowing okay well this is a model i can lose um if something goes bad but it's also some a model that i want to advance up the board um but yeah so so knowing some some idea of of what my opponent's army is and then also knowing you know even just rereading the missions i think is helpful yeah. i was totally uh Missing a couple sort of. things yep. uh, in this tournament where I was like, ah, could have been a win. <laughs> I <laughs> completely spaced that quadrant control was round base scoring instead of end of game. Oh, and, oh. yeah. That'll that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read sure. the uh, RTFM, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. So for me, it I feel like it was less about studying what the other armies were and more about pattern recognition. And this might just be the way that I learn mm-hmm. games in general. Um, I am not going to learn every profile of every army, but I am going to know the important things. I'm going to know what, you know, they, do they have TO units? What do those TO units, TO units roughly do? Yeah. Do they have, do they have war bands, right? Where's their smoke? Um, those kind of broad categories of units. Yeah, that's that's kind of what more what I'm getting at as well. It's not necessarily like, oh, what's the point cost of every guy? You know, get out your calculator and, you know. But yeah, having a rough idea of what each thing is going to do, um, 
you know, what they, each thing is capable of. Um, like their TO units or BS12. That's, you know, and it helps you just kind of square up with your dice versus their dice and that kind of thing. Sorry to cut you off there, Adam. But yeah, yeah. no, no, you're just making me think about how like people like trying to figure out really hard my lieutenant, who my lieutenant is. Like nine times out of ten, I'll just tell you. <laughs> I mean, right, but that's the other thing, right? Like you don't necessarily need to know everything on your own. You can just ask your opponent. Your opponent has presumably mastered their army, right? So you can just be like, yo, what should I look out for? And most people, if you explain to them you've never played this army before or against this army before, they'll just tell you, right? I certainly yeah. have no problem being like, these three models can be lieutenants. Uh, what's under this yeah. camo token could be a sniper with MSV. It could be a rocket launcher. It could be this. It could be that, right? Um, and just sort of letting them letting them uh, have the benefit of your knowledge and experience, right? But I mean, also some people don't even need it, right? They just need good fundamentals, right? So yeah. um, I think one thing that's important that we haven't really touched on at all, and that's because we're talking about this specifically in the context of two Infinity tournaments, is that a lot of this knowledge is transferable, right? So sure. um, moving from Infinity to Heavy Gear to Moonstone to Bushido, like you build the same kind of pacing and and uh, and like prioritization skills, uh, also like pattern recognition skills, trunking skills that lend lend uh, lend to success in other games. Like a great example of this is Steve, right? So he's King Bud is doing amazingly in the in the rankings because a he studies, but he hasn't been playing for very long. He's been playing for like I don't know since the beginning of N four maybe, right? Something around there, and he's like kicking ass and taking names, right? Uh, and his his background is a lot of video gaming, um, so he has a ton of hours in on like Dota and League, right? Um, and that's not a direct translation to Infinity, but it does teach you positioning, timing, right, um, prioritization, uh, and those are those are skills that transfer very well, like resource management. Those are all things. Um, so you know, I think I think uh, it's it's important to to know know other armies um but i i do think a strong mastery of fundamentals is arguably more important especially when you're starting um at the highest levels of play yeah like going back to my example with the avatar right the avatar game um where the two minds basically stalled out an entire first turn um that would have not happened against an experienced player who knew like mm -hmm. Jing was not, an not to say that he's not experienced, but like somebody who was experienced facing or playing Yujing, that would have not happened, right? Um, yeah, it's like there's nothing under there that I'm worried about with my avatar. Go ahead. Yeah, right. I'm just going to like whatever. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah, you should be one time and then I'll delete you. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, well, big deal. Um, I mean, even, even that I think comes with confidence of knowing your own uh, strengths as well, because sure. like even if an avatar is hit, you know, like you're, you say, haha, it was, a hot, you know, there's a hot tau here and it's shooting you with a missile. The, the avatar still got the advantage in the active turn. Yep, absolutely. You know, so. yes, fifteen is a hell of a drug, as Tim would say. Yeah, whereas Adam has experience of uh, you know having some bad luck with avatars, but yes. hey, whatever. It was, <laughs> to be fair, I failed more rolls against my own avatar than I failed against that fuselier missile launcher, so it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, really, you you were the one that did it, not the yeah, exactly. Fuselier. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but as, as far as My other ways to improve, right? So like, so um, getting the mastery of the fundamentals, uh, looking at other armies, uh, reps, and I said earlier, purposeful reps. Um, I would argue that 
reps without introspection and looking for actionable improvement items um, aren't as helpful, right? So there are people that we've seen who play tons of games. They're there every Thursday night, right? And uh, they or they can have some trouble improving, right? Or their improvement rate is, is significantly lower than somebody who's just started and is now rocketed to the, the top rankings across the world, right? So what is the difference here? And um, it's not it's not like a this person is just better or anything, right? It's it's just what how do they approach the post game? Um, and I think for for me at least, I mean, I've set this ridiculous onus on myself of like writing up every freaking game I play, but the the result of that is I have to think about what I could have done better. And not only that, when I win, what could my opponent done to beat me, right? Um, and so those two things are purposeful reps. They make me look at the game uh, with without any stress, right? I'm just like sitting here, drinking a beer, writing the thing. Um, and so I have complete knowledge post-game. Uh, really lets me dissect things. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is a game night game is not the same as a tournament game. You generally aren't under the same amount of time pressure and certainly not you won't you won't really generally have a lot of tournament um, tournament nerves. So I think uh, one thing you could consider is playing with the clock, right? Put yourself under some time pressure, uh, force yourself to just take the first decision that comes to your mind and then have to deliver the consequences instead of suffering from analysis paralysis. Um, not everybody likes playing with clocks. It gets weird with arrows timing and stuff. So if you want to create artificial pressure, you can play two people at once, right? I think most people don't know how they feel <laughs> with clocks because they've never actually tried it. That too, right? Um, yeah. I mean, even without <laughs> clocks, just having a, uh, a timer, um, you know, that's... Mm -hmm. Usually when I'm going to smaller tournaments, I'll run with a timer. Uh, sometimes bigger tournaments, but sometimes I forget. Um, but having just like that, okay, we're at an hour. You know, we got a half hour left. Uh, or, you know, yeah. we've got, got an hour left. And I'm going to set it at a half hour. That way we get a half hour warning. Um, yep. can be really helpful. Um, yeah. Not, not, not everyone's John playing two games at once. Like that's I, the, uh... I legit am... Like I, I'm really wanting to explore that space. Like not. I want to do that. Not yeah. even joking. It's pretty it's... awesome. Because the other thing is that, like, you were talking about reps. You can play two games in one game night, right? Against two different people. Like that's awesome. That's double the reps. I guess. I don't know. That's right. that's not my cup of tea. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, the real question, though, is like, are you playing one army uh, with two different lists? Are you playing trying to play the same list? Uh, you know, that's that's where it comes into the extra mental gymnastics for yourself. Oh, uh, well, I, I generally will play two different armies because I own too many things and have to justify my ownership. Right. So there you go. <laughs> that's my take. Also, when you play the same list, I tend to have overlap in the models. Right. So it's mm -hmm. pretty hard to like if I need an orc. With multi rifle and both, like this happened to me recently. I was like, I need to work at both lists. Like, I have to play a different thing. So, anyway, yeah. too funny. Um, 
So that sounds like uh, that's a good good idea for a tournament. It's just everybody against John. <laughs> I mean, I time. will do that. Uh, the the only I will I will say I will happily do that. Uh, the only problem is people will have to wait, and that sucks for them, and it's unfair. So um, we have been. You got a two hour limit, John. So they're gonna. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. Um, especially people are allowed to help me move stuff, right? Especially sure. like if I drop in an AD troop, I, I don't want to like run. I mean, I, I, that 50 is too much, but I will consider a smaller number. Oh man. All right. So um, last, but, but not least uh, before, before we get out of here, let's talk about your games this weekend. How many of those uh, you felt were were particularly relevant to uh, to I guess the, this this more competitive mindset, right? Like approaching things with the I guess your problem solving mind. Uh, any fascinating problems that you solved, or any insight? Uh, I'd say probably my last game. I think is kind of the the biggest bit of insight I had. Um, sure. Because it was against Brian Jones, who's a really good Shasvasti uh, player um, out here in the Bay, and I knew that I had to. It was uh, unmasking, and he had Shishkin running around. I didn't really have a good way of dealing with her. Um, so what I really was trying to do was, on my last turn, just limit anything. He'd already hit one button and killed one of my decoys, so I was just really trying to limit him being able to hit another button. Uh, so I was trying to just kill off as many of his specialists as I could. Mm -hmm. And they were all on the board at that at that point. And I killed, uh, you know, the two knock specialists. I knocked out his uh, Malignos killer hacker. And then I had a choice of either following up and killing the, completely taking it off the table, the uh, Malignos hacker, or trying to kill his... Uh, uh, Caliban engineer. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, well, if I kill the Caliban engineer, that's a whole nother order that he's not getting. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the Malignos had regeneration, but I was like, well, there's, you know, that's not a guaranteed extra order for him or, you know, order for him. But this, this, uh, Caliban is. So if I can kill the Caliban, that's potentially, you know, he's not getting that Malignos either. Uh, but what I should have done really is just knowing that the, where the Malignos was, it was in a better position. It has the better camouflage. Um, it had less AROs that it would have to get through or, you know, had an easier way to sneak around. So I should have really just followed up and killed that, <clears throat> killed that uh, Malignos just so that he can't possibly get back up. Um, so that was kind of, I think one of the things where I, that one of my main takeaways I feel like was just being like, okay, yeah. Sometimes you just you don't want to go for the the extra. You want to go for the guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, it it is the uh, <laughs> I, I like this is kind of why in tournaments why I I tend to talk more during their turn when when things feel bad instead of making you know, changing my decisions on my turn, um, because it's it's one thing to you know, to play your best game and then they play their best game and you help them maybe establish what their best game is. 
But it's another thing to like kind of set yourself up for failure. Like I'm, I'm doing good enough. I'll just do some stupid things now, and it's like, well, then you lose. Yeah. And then yeah, you're there's... also not delivering your opponent maybe necessarily the best game experience that they should have to go against, right? Mm-hmm. How about you, John? Well, uh, I made I made a pretty good meta call, which is I took Lei Gong, who has albedo, um, and I think albedo is a wildly unrepresented, underrepresented skill uh, on on tables near you because uh, it is very strong um so like here's a, I mean, it is pretty damn rare it, it, like, it is very fact. rare but i think it's if you can take it take it and like Legong is a very affordable way to take it and he's six two comes with the shock marks and rifle blitzen msv1 and like uh nwi like take him sure um but yeah so this is like so basically all you need to know about this game is Legong started here and there was a hideout, fully linked hideout MSR over here, which saw like the entire freaking table. And I like just walked over here, killed a bunch of stuff over here while the hideout did nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and ordinarily on this table, the hideout is impossible to remove. Right. Sure. But because I had the, I had the one tool. Um, yeah, the tool. I had the tool. Yeah. So this is against Dan. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, like I think I think you put it best though, because we were talking about this later, and you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't even like a bad play on your part. It was just, you know, I I had the exact tool that countered the elements of your list that you required to stop me from doing such things, uh, and your response was, it's almost as if Vanilla has a wider ac- range of access to tools and can counter some of the vulnerabilities in sectorials. And I was like, well, I could have said it better myself, right? Um, right. But then the the last one was uh, was on that the um, the avatar thing, and so like this game felt. I was telling my opponent after this game, I, I was like sweating bullets the whole time because it was it's a game against the avatar. It's hard no matter what, no matter like what happens, right? Um, sure. And I really enjoyed this game because it was what we always say about facing the avatar, which is don't fight the avatar. You can't kill everything else. Yep. Right. Um, and, you know, having the turn hand over to me when I had zero order damage, didn't lose a single thing. Right. Um, I, you know, basically what ended up happening was uh, he was like, he, like my opponent made, had the really smart, uh, smart idea of like, okay, well, Hey, if you're not going to do anything, you're not going to sh- like bring anything out of camo to fight me. I'm just going to go get objectives. So he went and got um, the the supply that was here, and then like moved Doc Worm up to my HVT and started like getting classifieds because there's two classifieds and supplies, right? And so there was an M drone and Doc Worm over here, and so I just like moved up a bunch of forces, including Lei Gong, to kill those things. Brought in a Tiger Soldier, killed Yao Gat, Dartok, a bunch of other stuff, and just like shot this direction. Um, and basically nuked five orders on my first turn and handed it over, right? Um, and so that's still seven orders of Avatar on turn two. Sure. Which is stupid. But, um, but like, just having, um, having like, a solid strategy uh, uh, of how to deal with the Avatar 
and then really finally having a, an opportunity to exercise on it, like execute on it. Cause like I faced you in the avatar many times now. Um, yeah. And I always, I always feel emboldened to, to, uh, to fight the avatar. Cause I feel like I have the correct tech, right? I've done the, the zero e mauler repeater, hack through the repeater, force it to dodge a reset. And then you just you like make angry faces at me where I roll a Morlock all the way across the table. Like, I feel like I have the anti avatar tech, but then you always just undo all the work that I did. Um, <laughs> right. That's the, the point. Yeah. Right. And so, so it, it just, it just felt really good to a not have the tools to deal with the avatar. If you look at my list, I don't really have anything that's capable of handling it. Like it's, it's all kind of like whatever stuff. Like I guess Legong could maybe blitz in it. And I tried when I was like, when I was really, you know, he had like three orders on the table and I was like, okay, this feels safe to take this risk now. Um, but not having the tools to directly address the avatar forced me into a mode of thinking where I was like, I'm going to execute on the plan that I've always had. And I've just been too like cocky or, or uh, excited to try some anti-avatar attack and I should just stick to the fundamentals. And so I was like, delete all your orders. You can have your avatar, right? Yep. It works. Yep. And a lot of times, you know, like you went out, it's uh, a lot of times it's easier. Yeah. Than going straight for the avatar. Yep. <laughs> Turns out shooting a Dartok in the butt is real easy. <laughs> <laughs> At least in comparison, right? Yeah. Clint, any uh, fun notes from your experience over the weekend? Oh, I had a Wallace uh, uh, moderator fight. That was fun. Oh, how did that go? Uh, NCC. So yeah, Wallace yeah. has oh, Wallace has CC twenty four and like natural born warrior. Yep. And. Uh, moderator has CC 18 and a pair of CCW yep. six. Yep. So it was 18s, V18s. And uh, I won the coin flip. It was, it was great. <laughs> the, mod, the mod hand laying down the law. No. Dan Hammer. <laughs> oh, that would be frustrating. That would be very frustrating. I mean, it's one of those things where that's that's where knowing your, uh, you know, some some of the general things about your opponent's army is good. You're like, all right, I'm gonna so line trooper, yeah, I'm gonna just smack this guy. It's like, okay, I'm CC18. Oh, that's a little higher than that. Oh yeah, and I've got a pair of CCW minus six. <laughs> oh no. As <laughs> Tim would say, the correct answer was bullets. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but even even like sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? Like. Sometimes the dice are dice. I played this game uh, against uh, my Merovingia versus Yijing many years ago now. Uh, he rolled a Hulang up into close combat with a Metro. And I was like, well, I'm going to decharge you because it's funny. Yep. And I credit him. <laughs> Man, CC18 on the uh, moderator is higher than I yeah. would have guessed. Yep. Yeah, they're weirdly good at close combat. Yeah, I mean that's that's their their cops, right? They have to hit you. They they all moderators apparently get like a like a bio modification where they have like a taser hand. So that's what that's all about. <laughs> High five. Yeah, right. That's that's like the hazing in the barracks. Like everybody's just like slapping each other. Oh goodness, Jesus! That sounds terrible. 
All right, guys. Well, that was a lot of fun. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to Late Night War Games. John, take it away. All right. Well, uh, if you want to try a different mission, you can go try Radiation Leak over at Bromant Academy. Um, we are here every first and third Tuesday of the month at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. We know it's a weird time, so we always upload our uh, recordings to podcast form, to your favorite pod- podcast app the following day, or to YouTube. And you can, of course, you know, watch us on Twitch Video On Demand. Um yeah, if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can go support one of our sponsors, or you can support us directly by going to Patreon and becoming a late night wargamer. Uh, you get access to the secret part of our Discord where only the cool kids hang out, um, and we get to talk about uh, talk shop, talk about books, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, so uh, come hang out with us. Ob does a show on Mondays at eight thirty as well, I believe. Um, and then uh, Clint and Tim are the dynamic duo that bring you Tabletop Throwdown every Sunday. So, except for when they're Sunday, both in a Sunday. Tournament. Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. So, yeah, it's a good time. Thank you to everybody who's supporting us already by being a late night wargamer or supporting us on Twitch with subscriptions. Uh, it does help. Thank you very much for uh, all of that. And then, of course, thanks to our sponsors DreamPod 9, Shiv Games, Corvus Belly, Board and Brew, and Brutal Cities. Gentlemen, anything you'd like to plug? All okay. right. I think you covered it. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere the, that you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five star rating on uh, iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. All of this, all of that helps us bring you the best content that we possibly can. All right. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you soon. Good night. Bye now. Bye. Uh, 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 uh. Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.